So you guys have been watching, you know, every episode up into this point, and I assume you're watching the fashion as much as anything else. Is anyone in the TV show wearing a bolo tie? Because uh, <laughs> the Buddy Garrity, Garrity character in the movie has a scene where he's wearing a bolo tie, and that seems like such a Texas thing to me. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I don't remember a single bolo tie in the entirety of the series. And, and, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but do you guys remember any of that? Uh, the first thing I was going to say is I, I would assume it would be Buddy. So that, yeah. may, but maybe I'm mixing up the movie. Because <laughs> in the movie, he has an amazing bolo tie. You know what's crazy though? I am, I'd say 90% sure that when Peter Berg is in a couple up ep- or maybe just one episode later on uh-huh. the series, I'm 90% sure he's wearing a bolo tie. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Peter Berg so himself. Someone is doing it. We will we will going forward do a bow tie a bolo tie lookout. I would appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Just the Jordan Erickson Jordan Erickson sponsored <laughs> bolo tie lookout. Uh count Jordan the bolo ties. So much like movies the, presents the Jordan Erickson bolo <laughs> yes. tie spotting of the episode. Yeah. Because yeah. it's gotta happen, but I've never even I've never even thought about it. I would Although, appreciate that. Um as we record this. It is Thanksgiving, and I, of course, watched Son in Law today, as I am mm. wont to do. Yes, and <laughs> yes. the boyfriend or yes. the the hometown boyfriend of Carla mm-hmm. Gugino, um, he is wearing a bolo tie in the scene where he proposes <laughs> at the country club, and I, for some Amazing. reason, did notice that. So maybe I, I so those maybe in uh, more of an eighties nineties thing. I think right. I think the, I think the mid aughts really uh, went for the open collar. And I think that's Which what, is a shame. when I think of Buddy Garrity, I think of him <laughs> with the more open collar and the yeah. suit coat. Yep. Yep. You're right. Bring back the bolo tie. That's my 2020s <laughs> yeah. decade uh, resolution. <laughs> Clear eyes, full hearts, bolo ties on our necks. <laughs> <laughs> Can't lose. Can't lose. <laughs> Can't lose. <laughs> All right, folks, this is a very, very special episode. I feel like we've been talking about it for months. That's because in real life we have. Uh, on the podcast, it's only been a couple weeks since we've mentioned it. But <laughs> there's, there's probably episodes of the podcast uh, that are like uh, episodal <laughs> that'll come out after this that'll be like, uh, so we're going to link up with our friends in so much movie. <laughs> <laughs> in a year from now when you've caught up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But we are excited to have these guys on. They are also uh, Black Panthers uh, at heart. Uh, It's the Erickson Brothers. I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. Hey, I'm Jordan Erickson. I am the uh, brother that gets really excited about things that have a Wikipedia. (laughs) I'm Tyler. Not going to tell you my last name. (laughs) Um, Uh... Let's see. I'm the one who you can look forward to saying something about America, probably. <laughs> Which one of you is going to dip into Anthony's political territory first? <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, that's a great Pro- question. Uh, I got something. I got something I w- in the chamber, but I don't know if I'm yeah, ready to go norm- for it. Yet. Yep. Norm- <laughs> normally, I would say me, but Jordan 
a week ago told me what his thoughts were about Peter Berg. So <laughs> might go him. Yeah, we do, as you know, have a segment on the show. It's become pretty regular called Anthony Gets Political. So. <laughs> <laughs> I have thought that about our podcast quite a few times. There have been ones where I'm like, uh, let's try not to. <laughs> let's let's steer up. Oh, you can't. Nope, not possible. Don't don't worry. It, I in the in the week since I've watched the movie, my thoughts have um coagulated a little better and now i think i have a more firm grasp on 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 what take <laughs> to bring it so you can look okay. forward to that you'll hold but, it together a little more yeah yeah absolutely political but uh, i just want to say um I'm, I'm excited to be here because i have really been enjoying the rewatch re-listen oh yeah um i haven't been watching with but i've just been listening and remembering the moments as you guys have been talking about them mm-hmm. which has been equally as fun good Good. That's Same. the idea. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Loving it. Thank you. It means a lot. We we love our listeners, mostly our listeners in the West Indies and What's Jamaica. Up, guys? But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wish we had that reach to the West Indies. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but we also love our listeners in Minnesota. The Sin Cities, Saint, Minneapolis, St. Paul. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I will say that I've also been mentioned on the podcast before uh, mm-hmm. because I was there for the initial watch with you guys. Yes. yes. And that um, was going to be my first question to you guys. Once we get into it, I want to hear your Friday Night Lights history uh, with the show and with the movie. We'll get into that in a little bit because we got uh, some stuff to take care of first. You know, there are things that we need to get covered before we we jump into anything. So, uh Fellas, what are we drinking tonight? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I'll start while Tyler steps away. Uh, I have got so this isn't apparent yet to our listeners because we're uh, so far ahead in recording in our uh, episode episode cast, but uh, that I've been on a diet for about a month now. Um, really count my calories, but today is Thanksgiving uh-huh. and uh, I sat down and uh, in addition to watching Son-in-Law earlier today, I watched The Last Waltz, which mm. uh, is one of my favorite movies of all time as, as everybody here knows. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And Josh, I know you recently watched it for the first time, which we'll get to. Okay, yes. Because <laughs> I do want to talk to you about this uh, yes. on air. But, <laughs> um, but I have been, I've been on a diet for about a month. I hit the treadmill real hard yesterday. I uh, hit like almost four miles. Uh, speed walking burned, according to the treadmill, like 800 calories. Hey, lost, nice work. Yeah. Lost three pounds. Finally got past the 244 threshold yep. that's been holding me up for a week and a half. Yeah. Uh, got down job, to like two, 241.8 or something like that today. So I uh, had the man. Thanksgiving food. Had a couple of grain belt premiums while I watched The Last Waltz <laughs> because you got to have a couple of beers while you're watching The Last yep. Waltz. And Seems now like it I've makes sense. A, I've got a crowler. From yes. the local brewery, Ooh. Wooden Legs. Uh, this oh, yeah. is called uh, Breakfast of Champions. It's a mocha stout. Ooh. Hey. That very sounds nice. good. It's very good. Champion so, drink for long, a champion movie. <laughs> very long story <laughs> as to why it's notable that I'm drinking a beer because it's the first time I've drank a beer in over a month. But it is <laughs> right. delicious and so are the Grain Belt Premiums. So that Grain Belt like Premiums. Grain Belt Premium doesn't know it, but they're a sponsor of our show. They don't pay us or anything, but <laughs> yep. we talk about mm-hmm. them regularly. Yep this this so. is unpaid for the moment, but <laughs> yeah. once they sponsor us, you know they'll be welcome to reimburse us for these. <laughs> back pay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was also going to shout out Wooden Leg because we've also talked about we have them shout potentially. Out you yeah. know, 
coming on board the Reliving the Lights cash cow. Uh, yes. <laughs> <that it is. laughs> so, yes. so uh, anyway, that's what I'm drinking, Josh. Out. What do you got? Yeah, uh, that is very similar to what I'm drinking. I have um, a beer from Westo. It oh. is a Westo French Toast Cocoa, which is a chocolate stout with cinnamon and maple syrup. Uh, I can't taste the cinnamon or the maple syrup, but it tastes like a really good <laughs> chocolate stout. So uh, I like it. But yeah, Westo, I believe that's great. Uh, and, yeah, and it's fun to say Westo Cocoa. Westo yeah. Cocoa. Yep. Westo Caboji, Iowa. What are you drinking, Westo Cocoa? <laughs> How about you, fellers? Uh, I have a ginger apple c squared cider i was feeling in a cider mood very weird i don't know i uh i literally just saw it on the shelf and i was like i'm gonna try that nice it is uh like any other cider just a regular cider uh jordan this is a podcast about football i'm gonna have to kick it up a bit (laughs) i i do have i do have a stout in my fridge that i could be drinking but i just wasn't on the docket yet I was going to say, what were you drinking last week when we just talked? <laughs> oh, yeah. That, uh, that was, oh, that was, what was the name of that again? It was like a cream ale, right? Or yes. Yeah, it was a cream, oh, cream yes. Something. That was, I was drinking the Castle Danger cream ale, which is yeah. a good one. And actually, the stout I have in my fridge is the Castle Danger stout. And it is excellent. I got to, I got to recommend it. Castle Danger, just, you can't beat it. We'll go with that. I'll edit this so that it's just, <laughs> it's just it doesn't mention the cider. You're welcome. Sometimes you just gotta have a refreshing cider. <laughs> you do, you man. It's good. I had a I had a full. I I ate a absurd amount of protein today, and so uh, yeah. sometimes you just gotta top it off with some light. A little light, yeah. I good. went a bit more hardcore within you guys. I'm going with a peach aha, <laughs> one of the best uh, sparkling waters. Uh, you know, where, uh, where is that made Tyler? <laughs> Let's see. I'm hoping we can keep it in the tri-state area here. Mm, I'm going to say it's made in the can. I'm just going <laughs> to oh, say, wow. I think this came, uh, out of my refrigerator. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> stay in the tri-state area. We're yep. in good shape. Keeping it very local. <laughs> Count it. <laughs> Uh, Coca-Cola Company, you heard of them? They're small, oh, oh yeah, or, yeah, a yeah. regional, regional yeah. beverage company. They've got well, region, they that region being Earth. <laughs> they have a bottling, uh, a bottling factory in like Chamberlain. So we're just going to assume that came from Chamberlain, Chamber- South Dakota, and we're keeping it in the uh, tri-state. Absolutely, <laughs> very nice. I love it. All right. Well, we've covered what we're drinking uh, this week. I don't even know if we've said it yet. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna talk about Friday Night Lights, but a very different Friday Night Lights. We're gonna set aside our regular cast of characters from the TV show and go back to the movie, uh, the Friday Night Lights movie based on the book, which was based on the true story of the 1988 Permian Panthers. So. Yeah, should be interesting. A little bit different here between season one and season two. We thought we'd take a little break for the holidays uh, and put this out for you guys. So excited to get into it. I think we better start off, as we always do, uh, with a synopsis from IMDb. Unfortunately, it sounds like there's no movie dude one this week. 
What are you doing, movie dude one? This is what kind of dude you are. <laughs> yeah, would you, you've been reviewing the show. What's your deal? Change your name to show dude one. You're going to do this to us. What the hell? Um, yeah, we don't, we don't have any movie dude one this week, but we do have four different synopses. So um, I don't know if you, if each one of us, do we all have IMDb handy that we can all read one? I got it. I mean, if I get a chance, I'll, I'll take a chance to read. That sounds fun. Yeah. So this uh, synopsis is by Anonymous. Based on H.G. Bissinger's book, which profiled the economically depressed town of Odessa, Texas, and their heroic high school football team, the Permian High Panthers. Not a lot of information enclosed there, but... Accurate. Put your name on yeah. it, coward. No lies. This, I was going to say, this This anonymous guy has a lot of reviews. He looks like he's reviewed 150,544 titles. So Holy cow. Anonymous he guy. He doesn't have pretty, the time to... Pretty pull up, prolific. If I was doing that much work, I'd want to put my name on it. Yeah, you know? I, I think so. A true hero. <laughs> uh, so accurate, and I appreciate the brevity, but maybe a little too little too brief um but grammatically correct it seems yeah and, no mistakes yeah, so. uh for movie if that was movie dude one that did that, that uh yeah. i would be like dude 10 10 <laughs> it. It, movie dude one it's definitely not movie dude one we're proud of you all right let's move on to zach abrams odessa texas is a small town in texas Racially divided and economically dying, there is one night that gives the town something to live for. Friday night. The Permian Panthers have a big winning tradition in Texas high school football, led by quarterback Mike Winchell and superstar tailback Booby Miles. But all is not well as Booby suffers a career-ending injury in the first game of the season. Hope is lost among citizens in Odessa and for the team, but coach Gary Gaines, who believes that Perfection is being able to look your friends in the eye and know you did everything you could not to let them down is somehow able to help the team rise up from the ashes and make a huge season comeback. Now on their way to state, the Panthers must go out and be perfect because they may never matter this much for the rest of their lives. So sad. What a bummer of a lesson. Woof. So depressing. Kind of. Yeah. The point of the movie, Pretty but, accurate. Still. <laughs> but still, uh, well, yeah, screwing up in the first sentence for sure. Yeah, with the commas. small and, comma town, Odessa comma and town. Saying there is one night <laughs> that gives the town something to live for. Friday night is kind of like yeah, you got night in there twice. You could write something <laughs> yeah, up differently. It's, it's a little redundant. Yeah. One night, Friday. You could just say that. We all we we can assume night. You could just say there's one thing that gives the town something to live for. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't give it away, man. Yeah. yeah. I will say this. I can tell that Zach Abrams likes this movie a lot. Definitely. You know? Yeah. I think he might have done some uh, TV show. I think we've, I th- I feel like that name sounds really familiar. Um, and I Either way, thank you for your service, Zach phone. Abrams. I think he's, I think he's done a couple of episodes and synopses as well, but. He has. Yes, you are correct. I knew it. Yep. Uh, he's, <laughs> he has. His number one plot synopsis is for. Air Bud, Golden Receiver. <laughs> he loves he loves sports movies. He loves sports movies, especially football. Fo- yeah. Followed by uh, number two, the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody episode. Ask Zach. Is it about football? Is it about <laughs> football? For all we know, it is because this next one is for the love of the game. So, huh. oh, for real. 
<laughs> yep. Just just wants sports to be happening in front of him. Yeah. Doesn't matter goes. the tone, age level, <laughs> kind of species. Just if there's sports, Zach Abrams is watching. There's no rule that says I can't watch a football dog. Um, <laughs> I think we all know a, a Zach Abrams in our own yeah. lives. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. I'm reading the next one from David S. Johnson, which I chose this one because of the person's email, <laughs> yes. which is at bigfoot.com. <laughs> <laughs> I screwed up. I did not build my <laughs> online life around a bigfoot.com email domain. <laughs> Straight Arrow Coach leads his team to the 1988 Texas State semifinals in the West Texas city of Odessa, where high school football is king. Expectations of classmates, coaches, family, and community members exact a toll on the athletes central to the story. Economic and racial undertones pervade this adaptation of H.G. Bissinger's book by the same. Drops off at the end. I think I meant to say same name. It, it says, says name same on name mine. on mine. Oh, I think you're, well, my I think app your is phone's weird. cutting it off. <laughs> yep, blame my phone. Time to grow up and get <laughs> an iPhone, go. Tyler, like the rest <laughs> of the dog. Never. <laughs> I will not spend $900 to have emojis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got the last one here. This this is by noted reviewer JGP3553 at yahoo.com. Oh, yeah. Expectations are high for the 1988 football team at Permian Mojo High School in the blue-collar football crazy town of Odessa, Texas. Mojo, it's always in caps, so I'm going to say it like that, is a traditional powerhouse in Texas high school football, and the community lets Coach Gaines know in many not-so-subtle ways that nothing short of a state championship is a failure. But when the team loses its star tailback in the ga- first game of the season, hopes seem dashed, and Mojo goes into an early tailspin. Everyone is ready to hang Coach Gaines in effigy, and the team is left for dead. But miraculously, Coach Gaines pulls the team together, and Mojo makes the now-unlikely run into the state playoffs. Great. This person loves typing the word Mojo. He loves Mojo. it. Yeah. All caps. I do like that he added that everyone is ready to hang, hang Coach Gaines in effigy. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was an, inter- yeah. an interesting interpretation. Still kind of uh, editorial, editorializing, basically, because that doesn't actually happen or is threatened, right? Well, <laughs> I mean, no one's deleted. like, we're going to hang never, you in effigy. Yeah, There's only one deleted scene, and like, the deleted scene him, is that. The thing is, you could imagine it being real in this movie. Hey, buddy, we're going to hang you in effigy if you don't win. <laughs> what kind of a threat is that? <laughs> uh, uh, okay. <laughs> okay, go for it, I guess. You're not going to hang me? No? Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Just something that looks like me. Okay, cool. All right. What do you... I don't know. Who are we going with here? Who is the... Plot synopsis MVP. Anonymous, uh, Zach Abrams, David S. Johnson at Bigfoot.com. Or- truly, <laughs> truly, I think that David S. Johnson at Bigfoot.com gave a um, more than a single sentence, which is good, um, and but also gave you kind of the themes that you can expect without giving any spoilers. It was very, it was yeah. very theme. It was really easy to read, too. Got to give it to him. <laughs> yeah. Not right, clumsy well, at all. Uh, we should let him know. He's got his email right there, David S. Johnson, <laughs> Bigfoot.com. Hey. Let's all send him a collective email. Huh? We appreciate your work, Dave. Good luck finding Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
All right. So that is our synopsis. This movie came out October 8th of 2004. Uh, so right as that would have been our senior year of high school, Jordan and my senior year of high school. That's correct. Right. And uh, yeah, so we were, well, even the end of my high school football career. So I specifically remember, uh, maybe we talked about this, maybe, oh no, no, okay. I don't remember if I had my jaw wired shut or not when I watched this movie, but it would have been right in that time period. Real close. Yeah, for when sure. this movie came. So I, yeah, uh, we've never talked about this somehow, but I did break my jaw in the last game of my high school football career. I remember uh, that. And was wired shut for six weeks. I assume someone kicked a helmet at your face. <laughs> <laughs> that is now, it was a helmet. It was a helmet straight to my chin, but, Yikes. Uh, but not kicked. It wasn't quite that dirty. It was still so. on a person's head. <laughs> yes, it was. A I, very fast, hard-moving person. <laughs> I do remember uh, seeing you at the end of that game, and remember uh, there was a lot of blood, I seem to remember. There was and a lot of blood uh, <laughs> at halftime. You looked like uh, you were having a bad time. <laughs> at halftime, Coach Hurt made me stand in the shower so I didn't get blood all over his locker room. <laughs> like, like, go, go stand in there. You're getting blood all over my floor. <laughs> and you played the rest of the game yeah I played that whole game which uh, I like to point out that because I played the rest of that game I ended up uh, being the lead tackler for the season over Joel Dykstra so what's up Joel broke my jaw and I still beat you you may have played college football but (laughs) you'll never have those numbers I would say that 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 fits the theme of the movie more than anything, which is that you left it all out on the field and you could tell everyone <laughs> that you did it perfectly. That's right. Yes. Uh, legendary. So, so nice work. But you did probably have this your jaw wired shut by the time this came to the play theater. I was probably I was oh, yeah, probably watching sure. this with my mouth. Uh, this was the, this was hard. the opening year of the Platt theater. And so this would have yes. been yep. in the first half. I mean, like, you know, of the year of of movies that actually got shown because I think that yeah. that spring like early summer is when that started so this would they have been a real fresh yeah. yeah a real mm-hmm. fresh thing for us so I, I remember going and uh I remember really liking the movie when I saw it mm-hmm. just because it you know just the way it's filmed it was I think pretty new at the time there wasn't a lot of the yeah. kind of shaky cam in media res um kind of stuff like that where you know the the like Jason Bourne the those movies yeah. kind of all got Greengrass the, yeah Greengrass really got the shaky cam going um but the sort of the adding to the realism type thing that that really I remember that that really sticking with me at the time yeah and we can kind of get into this a little bit later but one thing I really liked about it too in comparison to because at this time I think remember the Titans had come out maybe four or three years earlier and that's a movie yeah. to me that like people love and just it never really worked for me it's a little bit too (laughs) disney-fied and so i think that this movie worked a lot more for me because it's so much less uh like that (laughs) warm and fuzzy it's a little realer version of it is not at all warm or fuzzy yeah Yeah. uh i saw remember the titans in the armor 
South Dakota. So an even smaller town than Platt movie theater. No Ooh. way. And they and showed it in theater. the wrong <laughs> aspect ratio the whole time. <laughs> which if you guys know. I'll bet like, that drove I you insane. I cannot handle it. I cannot. It, everything yeah. was You can notice squished. it on a, you notice it on a TV immediately if it happens. And so Try, I bet yeah. you were just like losing your mind. I didn't awful. even know that was possible in a film theater. In yeah, Armour, South Dakota it, it is. <laughs> they put it through like a prism that they put in front of the screen <laughs> that they brought from home. Just to mess with you. This doesn't look like my TV. <laughs> I'll fix it. <laughs> yes, this is not the same movie as Remember the Titans for sure. Yeah. Which good for it. That's good. So uh that's a good let's let's uh before we get into the movie specifically, I'd like to hear your guys's kind of first experience with Friday Night Lights. We we just touched on the the movie, but also the show. You know, this is this is a podcast about the show mainly. So we'd I'd love to hear both your histories with the Friday Night Lights universe, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Uh so I am I was the third person watching it with the two of you the first time that that you guys were watching it. And specifically you had mentioned, I believe in the first episode or maybe the 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 point five episode or, you know, like the, yep. the starter one that you were watching it so late and you couldn't remember why you were watching it so late. And uh-huh. the answer was in 2008, I was farming. And that <laughs> meant that I was, uh, that summer specifically, we were combining a bunch of winter wheat and we would combine until it got dark, which in the summer is like nine 30, 10 o'clock at night. And so <laughs> right. I would get into town I would take a shower and then I would immediately drive over to Anthony's house, go yes. straight to the basement, and we would start two episodes of Friday Night Lights. <laughs> yep. so, sometimes three. Yep. That's right. So I was watching I was watching seasons one and two with you guys. Yep. Is that yep. right? I think we did. Yep. That's correct. Yep. And I remember hearing the uh direct TV, the news that season three was was getting the direct TV NBC yep. kind of pairing off. Mm-hmm. And then it took me a little while to actually kind of keep up with it because yep. of that. But mm-hmm. and if I'm not mistaken, have you you haven't seen season five, right, Jordan? Is I have correct? watched almost all of season five, and I've never watched the okay. finale. Okay, that's <laughs> just couldn't wow. bring yourself I, to do it. He wants it to live on forever. <laughs> yeah, that was it. I, I don't know something. Uh, I'm not really sure what happened there. Um, I definitely <laughs> am excited to for you guys to get to season five. I think I will probably just pick up the last season and yes. watch through it nice. just as something different. Um, Cause you know, it's only what 13 episodes total. Yeah. Those, mm-hmm. those later seasons get short. So mm-hmm. it's on Hulu. You know, I know you have Hulu access. I, you're right. Cause I we do. both have the same Hulu access. <laughs> That's right. It's neither of yours. Shout out to Mike Harris. <laughs> Thanks Friend buddy. Of the show. Appreciate it. Um, yes. But I, I do remember really enjoying it uh, when we were watching through it the first time. Yeah, and, that was a good um, summer. Was I'm yes, summer. absolutely, and I'm very excited for you guys to get get to season two specifically. Hold on, buddy. <laughs> I I personally cannot wait. It's going to be great. I remember when we were watching it, being like, "Oh, what is going on with this?" <laughs> and uh, I also remember how sad it was that that was the writer's strike here, and so the yeah. season doesn't even end like on a regular note. They just had to like kind of cut it off where it stood. It was a mercy. It was a mercy killing. Honestly, <laughs> it, at that point, it was. Yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy that the show like came back stronger than ever in season three. So yeah, for real, for real, getting a little ahead of myself here, but 
uh, that I have some very fond and strong memories of watching it with you guys. And yeah, so I, I was really excited that the podcast is going here and uh, listening just makes me feel like I'm back in that basement every week. <laughs> <laughs> right on. That's the idea. Well, I got, uh, I know I watched the movie before um, almost definitely also in Anthony's basement because um, I knew you were a big fan of everything. And I yeah. think I, Probably thought, well, let's watch the movie first and, you know, see how that... And then, but then they're completely different, so they yeah. didn't really carry through that much. Um, but I actually watched... I know I borrowed the season one DVD from you, like, years after it was... Probably around when it was ending, when the whole thing was ending, yeah. maybe. Mm. And I watched season one, and I thought, that was pretty good. Uh, and then I never watched any more of it. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody told me how weird season two was. And I was, I think I was like, I think I get it. <laughs> so I am also looking forward to you guys getting into season two because every once in a while, Anthony, or even like when it was first happening, like I would hear you guys or whoever else just talking about whatever had happened with somebody getting murdered or something ridiculous happening. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'd be like, wow, that is, this is a football show. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. So looking forward to hear, hearing it the way I would love to hear it described to me versus you know <laughs> so you're not you're not actually gonna watch season two you're just gonna you're just gonna eh, well, probably not <laughs> we give you the play-by-play -play anyway exactly so, yeah 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 nice i'll know more or less. get it yeah the, the, the theater of the mind will be very strong <laughs> yes yeah imagine jesse Plemons swinging a lead pipe <laughs> Ooh, nice. i can yes. imagine it beautiful <laughs> Well, and so the movie is basically the first season of the show, right? The equivalent time frame that it's like one season. Yeah, sort so. of. Yeah, like it's it takes it takes place over the course of a football season. And it's like, you know, the one the kid that's really good gets injured and they have to play out their season anyway. All that right. roughly it's more loosely, or less. loosely, loosely yeah. based. Yeah. Do I was going to say, do we want to get into it with that kind of just yeah. like like. You you two have been watching this, you know, over the course of this last season. Mm -hmm. How have you guys felt after like watching the movie? Did it feel like a big shock to go back to the movie after watching a season of the show? For me, I I seriously, when I was watching the movie, I was like, how many times have I watched this freaking movie? Because I know everything that is going to happen <laughs> when it happens. So I think I've I've gotten I've. I was already pretty like accustomed and comfortable with the relationship between the show and the movie. So it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't too weird for me. Cause yeah, I really liked the the movie to begin with uh, before I liked the show. And then, yeah, the show obviously took on a life of its own in my life. So yeah, it didn't really, it didn't really throw me for a loop this time, but it still is fun to watch and make the connections and, figure mm -hmm. out like which character is a an, a an amalgamation of these three other characters and stuff yeah like that. or who they decided to switch yeah they were yeah. like this this role might work better with this person instead or with this mm -hmm. personality yes yeah that's pretty cool how about you anthony yeah um for me so this was the first time that i'd watched it in at least i'm gonna say three and a half years i know that i watched it on hbo when i was living in the college party house that i lived in in 2016 <laughs> and 17 i don't remember the exact time frame when that would have been so we'll say three and a half years ago for me it was i think more of a shock than anything of how true to the style they really kept 
that the show mm-hmm. from the movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Definitely. how, yeah, how much they went for that, that whole, yeah, zoom, you know, like the strong zooms and the shaky cam. And even like, I, I remember the explosions in the sky soundtrack. But Yeah, that's yeah. what I kept thinking of. The I kept thinking of the music and like weirdly all the establishing shots of like this is Texas basically. Yep. Sure. Yeah. Like the weird shots where it's like clearly from a car and it's like going by a player's house and they like yeah. slowly zoom in on like mm-hmm. the number <laughs> yes. six lives here. That yeah. is yeah. the that's the house style for sure for Friday Night Lights, yeah. it seems mm-hmm. like. <clears throat> I feel like the the movie I okay I feel like Dylan is a much uh cozier more quaint town than Odessa though like, oh 100% Odessa they really go hard to come ac- like to put across the point that it is bleak there's nothing there yeah except football that's yep. it yep. whereas Dylan seems more like your more familiar small like, town like any small town yes yep like every small town and no small town at the same time mm-hmm. I will say so- this just to transition to the next uh, portion that I would like to get into. <laughs> Sorry to cut you off, Jordan. Nope. Not at all. You're fine. <laughs> is the thing that really shocked me more than anything on this rewatch is how many characters were kind of an analogy uh, for sh- characters in the show or analogs for characters yeah. in the show. Mm-hmm. Where, like, I remembered obviously Booby Miles, and I know that he's clearly an analog for, for Smash, but. Kind of. I didn't remember <laughs> like the how much Garrett Headland's character is basically just like Tim Riggins. Yeah, mm-hmm. seriously. Uh, for example, and to a lesser extent, how much Mike Winchell, uh, Lucas Black's character, is kind of an analog for kind of a combination between Jason Street and Matt Saracen. Yeah, He's definitely. Kind of a quiet, not necessarily as goofy. <laughs> No, he. But Mike Winchell definitely doesn't listen to Bob Dylan or draw pictures. No, no. <laughs> Changing from Mike to like those other two guys, I feel like is one of the smarter decisions they made in change in going from the movie to the show. Just because, not because Mike's like boring necessarily, but like um, having like a younger kid having to move into that and focusing on that kid versus like. In the movie, the kid that rises up to a starting position who's younger doesn't really get very much focus, but that is pretty interesting. So they pretty much combined, like, he's got his grandma instead of his mom, and then he's also younger. So, yeah, and and there's a girl that he likes versus the movie where there are no girls. (laughs) Like, they just, (laughs) or at least none of them are characters. Yeah, definitely. What I would have liked to have seen in the show that I don't think ever comes about, um, and I may be mistaken on that because we are only in the season two and I haven't seen season three beyond in a very long time, is that there wasn't really an analog for the Ivory Christian character who I really liked in the movie. Also, when I saw, like, I kept watching it kind of with the, I don't know, I, I was kind of being cynical about it of, like, these kids are all, like, really wanting to go somewhere with it, but none of them are big enough. And I just kept thinking this Ivory <laughs> Christian guy is clearly the only guy big enough <laughs> to yeah. go anywhere with it. And, and he, he was the it. only one who played. Yeah. yeah. In NCAA, so they basically right? nailed it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah I was thinking um, it is interesting to, I, there were some things that I, that I liked more in the, in the movie. Um, and I had, I had talked to you guys a little bit about this, but I did 
and this is maybe just a tone thing for me, but the the fact that the the movie's tone is so bleak and so like this is all they have, um, making Booby Miles have football be his only thing, like like and after that, that's that's literally it. He's got nothing. Um, I think is so. Uh, I think it says a lot more about like kind of high school sports in a way than than for example Jason Streets does because Jason Street has to figure out a way to kind of like live life after being paralyzed which is kind of a whole nother issue but Booby Miles' whole thing is that like he's borderline illiterate and this right. and like the timing has to work out perfect like you know you can recover from an ACL tearing but the fact that you can't recover in time to do this season means you're done. That's it. Like the, yeah. the timing is so is so mercenary. Yeah. Well, and Jason Street's situation is kind of its own kind of separate tragedy from football. I mean, obviously it would suck to miss out on a career like that. But like even like you guys have said this in the show that he even in the first season goes from dealing with not being able to play football anymore to just dealing with being paralyzed. And like moving on yeah. with his life, and mm-hmm. it really, um, yeah, kind of blows it up into a separate issue that's beyond the football life that they all are obsessed with. And and kind of even the bigger bummer of it is not even Booby; it's his uncle who yes. is like uh, the worst character in the movie, I think. <laughs> like in terms of like hate it, likability, or hate oh ability. sure, that was about yeah. to say. Like he is just like, and we, I guess, I don't know much about or we don't know much about Booby Miles's like parents or anything, but the fact that his uncle is basically just like egging him on and pushing this whole football thing to the point where he gets his meal ticket even more injured than he already. Yeah. I'm kind of torn on him because it's like, I was going to say that too. Yeah. On one (laughs) hand, like it is awful, but like that's probably what, but Booby wants that too. Yeah. Like, and even, even in retrospect, like that, it's so crazy because everybody keeps like, I'd say about a third of the conversations that happen in the movie are people like ramping up the pressure on like, this is right. the only thing you have. And it mm-hmm. like, it basically is true. Like right. it would be, they, if he hadn't pushed it, he would have regretted it forever. You know, mm-hmm. even if it wouldn't that's have true. worked. So it's right. like, that's it's probably it's what he wanted lose, his uncle to do. Yeah. It's yeah. a I was, lose lose. I was going to counter that by saying like, easy though. (laughs) Well, I I was going to counter what you were saying by saying that if you're the guardian of a minor, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) uh, you should have the mindset, but also (laughs) you're, you're right. Because as we've talked about on the show between Josh and I, that mentality of like small town and everybody pressuring you into those things Mm -hmm. is so difficult. Like regardless of what's the logical decision, it's so difficult to to fight that. Uh, and that that being said, it was really an, it was an extremely nice moment when he shows up at the bus uh, for yeah. before the final game and asks asks the coach if he can like join in, and he's like, yeah, of course. And they and he goes to the game even if he's not playing, mm-hmm. like being part of the team. Getting they, he got him their first win. You can count it. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. Tonight that is a really nice moment, and it's it's a cool kind of redeeming thing. Even the you know sucks for anything past that but at the time it's pretty great so so the the delivery for booby's uncle just the way he talks and like uh-huh. do you think the real guy like talk he had to be like trying to like emulate something yeah. didn't he? oh absolutely. otherwise why would you 
why would you hire somebody to do that, 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 would, that yeah. would talk in that way? <laughs> or why would you direct someone to ask to say that? Like, hmm, could you maybe try? Like, I don't know what you would even say. Could you try to sound like the sleaziest person on earth when you can answer you, this question? Can, have you ever have you ever seen Don King? Can I, you just <laughs> act like Don like like you're Don King, but you're promoting your nephew? Because that's what I want. <laughs> Uh, uh, in the commentary, they though they said that uh, LV or whatever they called him mm-hmm. uh, was like the nicest, most decent man you've ever met in your life. Like just the most outstanding, hmm. upstanding dude. So they just scummed him up, or what? <laughs> I did not have the same impression of him as you guys. I didn't see. I didn't him think as a he was. Person. I didn't think he was a bad guy, but I see him as desperate more than sleazy. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I've got a theory. All right. Because we haven't got into this yet, but Josh, you watched the commentary uh-huh. with Buzz Bissinger and yep. Peter Berg, and yep. those guys are scummy, and they thought LV <laughs> was upstanding. <laughs> I think what we yeah. got going on that here is honestly a great point. <laughs> um, Seriously, that's my main takeaway from the commentary is that Peter Berg and Buzz Bissinger are creepy dudes. Who okay, I do want to talk about toxic. them. <laughs> Um, this is kind of the main thing I wanted to get into a little bit about them, about Peter Berg as a director, but um, I, I'll hold off if yeah. we want to do more pot stuff. Okay. I was just going to say, well, we can do this later too, but I was gonna, I had something from Wikipedia, which I was going to read, which is we were talking about kind of the bleakness of the movie. Mm-hmm. I went to the Wikipedia page for the high school, Permian High School. Mm-hmm. And in the history Ooh, section, yeah. it says, Open in 1959, Permian High is named for the Permian Basin, the geological formation which underlies Midland and Odessa. The name stems, stems from the age of the rocks in the basin where the school is located, which are from the blah, 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 a geological period that preceded the largest mass extinction in the history of life. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to include that, but I thought That's it was not, hilarious and is indicative of the bleakness of the movie. Yeah, not, no not yeah. ominous in the slightest. <laughs> not ominous at all. Sheesh. So the bleakness, uh, I that was like the first thing I noticed was like when they show that huge football stadium and there's like nothing else. You yeah. know, like right. that was obviously very intentional at the beginning of the movie, but that's the actual like Permian Stadium. And they're not sure on the on the commentary. They said they weren't sure, but it is definitely like in the top rankings of the biggest high school f- uh, football stadiums in the United States. Yeah. It holds 19,000 people. And Holy in cow. like 1982 or whenever they built it, it was a five point six million dollar uh, stadium in nine. Yeah. In the early 80s. Right. So wow. it's, they said it's the only bond uh, thing that the measure that the town has ever passed was to build that huge freaking football <laughs> Which stadium. Should, that that alone should tell you everything you need to know about the town yeah. and the movie and Friday Night Lights as a series. Yeah. Uh, and high school football in Texas. And- yeah. Yeah, exactly. That, I mean, what else? You don't have to go any further into it. Just may, name that fact and everyone's like, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, you know, Chavez he went to Harvard, as they said at the end of the movie, but he yeah. he uh, like walked onto the football team and played for a few weeks. And he said he was playing for like 200 people when he, you know, when he's used to playing for 19,000 people. Yeah. And he said oh, wow. they were like trying to teach him techniques that he knew better than any of the <laughs> coaches at Harvard. So he said, screw this. I'm going to play rugby instead. So that's <laughs> what he did. Yeah. Pretty crazy. That's pretty awesome. I got a question for you. Uh, how do you feel about um, 
Tim McGraw's role. I thought he was great. Like, honestly, this movie makes me, and I, I mean, we're talking about in 2004, it yeah. made me, I just said make earlier, which uh, <laughs> but edit, it, edit that out, edit that out. <laughs> it made me like Tim McGraw more than I had since I was like a young kid yeah. and was like listening to his music. <laughs> he, he is good. And I didn't realize it was him until I literally looked it up. That's, He's that's like, what I remember. I remember watching the movie and be like, who, who is that? Like, that seems so familiar. And then coming to the realization, like, holy crap, that's Tim McGraw. What the heck? Yeah. But I don't he listen is, to any country music, so I don't know. Sure. I wouldn't know him from Adam, but mm-hmm. just knowing that he is primarily a singer and now an actor, you know, and also does acting is yeah. pretty wild. He has got, and we've talked about this on, on the show, Josh and I, but he's kind of got it based on this movie alone. I have not seen country strong, which I know uh, Josh has. So strong. we'll so <laughs> much movies country strong. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the same vein as Dwight Yoakam, who was supposed to play the coach yes. on the TV show, who's That's a country right. singer who has like unbelievable acting chops when you mm-hmm. put him to the test. Like I've never seen a Dwight Yoakam performance that I didn't like. Dwight Yoakam also, interestingly enough, was in Billy Bob Thornton's like directorial and writing debut of Sling Blade. And <laughs> also Weird. a great freaking performance in that movie, too. So um, I always respect it when people like this who um, have kind of a separate thing going on. You know, they're not only an actor and they're kind of coming in as someone who's already kind of famous. Come in and do such a villainous role. Like yes. if you're yeah. if you're like. Ooh, I'm going to try to get into acting. Let's see if I can get people to hate me. Let's see how good I am at that. <laughs> He's yeah. good at it. He's real yeah, good. He is. Yeah. Because, wow, he the the cycle of abuse has never been clearer. Menacing. And yeah. He is really going, especially, I think the most, weirdly the most menacing thing is after his big freak out in the car where he destroys the windows, uh, the next morning waking up and apologizing is literally the most terrifying part to me. Yeah. Because you know that's not the first time he's done that. And you know right. the last time he does it. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. know that his son is just sitting there, like, shaking in his boots, waiting to see when the other shoe's going to drop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's awful. And he's Yikes. so good at, at doing the fake penitence, or not even fake, I'm sure real for him at the time. Right. Sort of penitence of, like, I'm sorry, I don't know what I was doing. Very unsettling. Tim McGraw is very unsettling. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I, And I think... We, we all know, maybe not to that level of abuse, but like coming from Platt, South Dakota, like that character, Charles Billingsley, like I feel like I don't know to that level of abuse, but I know a Charles Billingsley. Like he definitely reminded me of a few small town yeah. folks. Just yeah. kind of angry. Yeah, just kind of angry. Just kind of like yeah, just rugged. I don't know what the word is, but like... <laughs> Just you, I, I think, I think some of it is um, maybe I don't want to just say economic, but kind of class based in a sense that like Absolutely. you don't have a lot going for you, and this is um, sort of an outlet for it, for better or for worse. Um, yeah. And right. I don't think that's the whole solution to it, or even the whole like prescription of what it is. But I think that's certainly a part of it because I don't feel like he has a good life, and I, I feel like a lot of that is. Seems like it's related to that in some way. Um, Absolutely. The the sort of he seems like the best example in the movie of the sort of cycle that is constantly spinning in Permian and mm-hmm. in like any small town like that, where you know he because he's always pointing his ring at 
at his son and then he throws it out the window and his son's like freaking out which is also yeah. just tragic well mm-hmm. and pretty yeah. much the whole crux of the movie is yeah. just that everybody's lives are bad and is this thing that we all kind of somewhat arbitrarily picked to be <laughs> like the thing that we put all of our hopes and dreams into and that our like society is based on like is it actually worth it to even try to like get something out of it you mm-hmm. know what I mean because like People like, you know, everybody's trying to either get ahead and get a job or move through it or impress their dad or whatever. (laughs) And it's like, you know, uh, will is it even possible anyway? Or are we basically all just deluding ourselves into thinking it's going to help? Because there's all these older guys who have the rings and it's like they're basically like Gollum in Lord of the Rings, <laughs> where it's like, is that what I'm going to turn into? Even if we win, like, is this even worth it? <laughs> right. Like to go out there and get horribly injured because these guys are just like around and they're miserable, but they are also saying, this is the only time you're going to have fun. This is it. Yeah. This is <laughs> you right know, it. like yeah. you got to get the most you can out of it and try your absolute best because it's, you're done either way. Cause the guys right. who didn't win are also miserable. So yeah, like, well, whatever. Yeah. The thing is, though, is it, it's so true to life because I personally know, and I won't name names except for off recording. Um, <laughs> but like, I per- personally know of a situation that I witnessed firsthand of a player on the Black Panthers 1992 championship winning team going up to a local NAIA college level player, which is not high up (laughs) um and introducing himself as like hey i'm this person 1992 uh state football champion (laughs) and like shook his hand and this this guy who was playing in aia football played really well in high school football did not win a state championship but like the fact that that's a thing that i have seen personally is like oh what a bummer that's it's like that that domino meme where there's like a tiny domino and they get progressively like yes. bigger. And yeah. the first one is like uh, a team wins a championship in 1954, and then the, the last one is like uh, 5.6 million dollar stadium. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we should let's get into the plot. Let's let's just do it. Let's just try and hit it up quick. So basically, we've got Odessa, Texas, a bummer of a community. Ugh. Um, not really sure population wise how big it was in the 1980s. If we can, uh, 1980, 90,000, 1990, 89,000. So basically just right around okay. 90,000. So around 90,000 people. So we're talking, a a decent, like a, like a rapid city size town at the time. Can you put that into, uh, terms that our West Indies listeners could understand? i would have to look up jamaican uh the west indies also have wikipedia they can yeah we'll put it in the in the episode description there you go yeah it's uh kind of a a a dead-end town it's like a town from a bruce springsteen song where like maybe there was something there once but now everybody's just pissed off (laughs) and uh yeah mad We've got the only hope in the town is the Permian Panthers. They are traditionally pretty good. I had the picture pulled up uh, on IMDb that had the state championships that they had won prior. 
There's like four of them, right? Yeah. 65 was one. 84 was the most recent prior to this. But they so they, they've got a traditionally good football team. And as we come to find out, high school football is pretty much everything in the state of Texas, especially small town Texas. So they're a traditionally good football team. They've got a like insanely stacked team from what we know, led by uh, running back Booby Miles, who is very full of himself, very confident in his abilities. Very Smash-like. Very Smash-esque. Probably Way cooler nickname. <laughs> Booby, <laughs> come on. <laughs> if you can be nicknamed Booby and be a confident guy, you've, you've won. That's it. Like, yeah. like no one's going to mess with you. <laughs> what, you going to call me something worse than Booby? <laughs> Get out of here. My, my five-year-old was watching tonight. She just turns to me like, Daddy, Booby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby, Booby. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, baby. Boop. So we've got Bo- we've got Booby Miles, who is raised by his uncle. We don't know much about his home life outside of that. What what is going on with his parents? But he's raised by his uncle LV, basically to be a football star. He is borderline illiterate, from what we can tell. He gets like a college letter in the mail and has a hard time reading it in a, a particular scene. We've got uh, Brian Chavez. I don't remember what position he plays but also an exceptionally good football Defense. player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got Mike Winchell at quarterback, uh, who's very talented as well, as far as we can tell. Don Billingsley, uh, a fullback, right? Yeah. Uh, who's got a abusive father, played by Tim McGraw. And, a very uh, hairy Tim McGraw. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Ivory Christian, who I believe he was a defensive player. And the other big one is Chris Comer, who is Booby Miles' backup, I think would be the, the primary yep. characters on the on the football team. And they're all coached by Coach Gary Gaines, uh, played by Billy Bob Thornton. And uh, yeah, they start off the season great. Booby Miles is playing great. He ends up tearing his ACL. That's not great. All he knows is football. The team kind of ends up sucking for a bit. <laughs> not long, though. Not no, long. they turn they it around. Up, they end up pulling it together and making the playoffs. <laughs> Boom. There's not really like one main character, right? Like the main character is maybe Gary Gaines, Mike. I would say closest. I was thinking Mike. I feel like it's more a con a main concept yeah. than a main character. I right? I yeah. think really the three. I, I think it really is the three main between between Mike. And Booby, and uh, Don, oh, and then and then coach. kind of uh, Br- oh yeah, the coach too. I forgot about yeah. him. Coach Gaines, it's, I would say it's funny to like forget about the coach, but he's such <laughs> a he, he's not a player, and that the action isn't like happening with him, and so I almost forget that it's like oh yeah, yeah. he facilitates the action, but that makes him a character too. He's yeah. just as much dealing with everybody. I mean, else. he's got some he's got some major like tension in the whole thing because his entire like family and whatnot is at you know in peril of being moved fired you know he could be fired he could be moved like it literally comes down to a coin flip whether he's gonna have to i forgot how crazy that was that was really nuts yeah i did i really loved the scene where he 
pulls up to his home and there's all the realtors have mm-hmm. signs in his yard. That's yep. a pretty good burn. I was if if, if memory serves because I have read the book twice, but it's mm-hmm. been about a decade since the last time I read it. That I think that that actually happened, which is insane. Yeah. <laughs> like, they said that in the commentary that that was yeah. something that people always ask him like that didn't really happen. And like no, yeah, it actually one hundred because it seems did. like like a bit like. I think if you're the realtor in town and you do that like at game three, <laughs> like you gotta feel like a real piece of crap when he makes it to like the the playoffs in the very least. Like I don't think they would feel what an bad audacious because audacious move. I don't think they would feel bad though because everybody in this town is just being mean to the kids constantly. And then I assume at the end when the kids do really good. They all think that that's why the kids did good. They're like, oh, yeah, I was mean to them. And then yeah. they got it yeah. together mm-hmm. and then they yeah. won. Yeah. So I think I think everybody who put the signs on his lawn, they probably all looking back think that's the turning yes. point. That's why they turned yeah. it around. It's because I was a dick to the coach. <laughs> he, he, this, this, this guy finally realized that I that if he didn't win, we would literally <laughs> sell his house for him. <laughs> it was like a breath of fresh air to me when his wife played by the same actresses in the show. Connie Britton. Oh, yeah. Love you. Come on the show. Every time, Ms. every Coach. time she would say pretty much anything, but whenever she was like, wouldn't it be great if everybody cared a little less about football? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. yes. Like everybody is like constantly, whenever anyone would do something wrong in the game, all the coaches would like sarcastically be like, do you not understand how important this is? Like that was like the only criticism that everybody had of everybody else. And they never made any like strategic moves or whatever. It was just like, just ramping up the pressure and constantly doubling down on the importance. And it's like, Oh boy, maybe we shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe the main character is basically like, uh, Odessa itself, and oh, that's yeah. the you know, like that's the main conflict because it's almost right as away. if Odessa is a character. And it's- <laughs> <laughs> you know who the main character? I, I love I love it that type test. of stuff. Yeah, that's right. But, I mean, you know, it, I, no, it you is good, of, and you're not wrong too. Yeah, it, it's Odessa. Really, it is really just a study of a town yes. more yeah. than anything else. So it, that's absolutely true. I I can't remember the exact wording that the coach uses at the like the very first like pregame talk or whatever, but he basically says like, "This is everything for the town. The entire town is riding on your back." You know, like I don't necessarily know that that was a great approach to like (laughs) kick off your football season, but it is. It's what they keep coming back to over and over and over again. Yeah, the entire (laughs) town like keeps approaching players and being like. Are you going to be perfect? <laughs> like, can you be perfect? <laughs> okay. A little side note here in the commentary, Bissinger was like, Oh, that was brilliant. I think like, I think that's going to be like, become a regular part of people's vocabulary and stuff. Like the lexicon be perfect, About being perfect, which I love because it was, it was clear eyes, full hearts can't lose yeah. mm-hmm. that eventually did it. Which but. like, it's like only like, colloquially said in the movie right like he doesn't yeah he doesn't even completely say it. yeah Yeah. he kind of gets close like your ears perk up and like yeah "Yeah, yeah, yeah." that wasn't really it but okay (laughs) um i was gonna mention something that i really thought was funny in the game where booby miles gets injured which was that like so in apparently in real life he gets injured in like a preseason game or something right and it was just like a routine thing and like in the show, um, 
Street gets injured. I don't remember the exact situation, but it doesn't play quite last, the same. Last play of the first game. Okay. So in this one, I thought it was really interesting that Booby Miles, they had a combo situation of the backup guy forgetting his helmet. And then you see a brief little moment after the injury happens where two guys on the opposing teams like give each other like a tiny, tiny high five. And I really like it's it. I think it creates a classic situation of like almost that um, injuries aren't inherent to football or anything. Like, don't worry about it. These yeah, guys okay. all let down football by <laughs> either being dirty or by being like negligent. And it's like just this bizarre situation where it's like, you don't need to like give us a bunch of reasons why a guy got injured. Like it's, it's already extremely tragic. Uh, I don't know. I just thought that was bizarre. Like <laughs> right. the movie um, in its like depiction of the town and just the whole situation and trying to like give it a, I don't know if they're trying to give the town a fair shake or whatever, but it's like they really um, try to thread the needle in like this being a world that makes sense almost while also being horribly unfair to everybody. <laughs> I don't know. It's very strange. I did really like, I did like that moment uh, where the, the two players, like they barely even look at each other and basically give each other like a, yeah. <laughs> like a, yeah. a very teeny, quick, teeny uh, tiny high five. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, cause we got to know they're dirty. No, he wouldn't have gotten, he wouldn't have got injured otherwise. But you know. that being said, we, as we've discussed this on the show before, um, some towns are just villainous, much like Gregory, South Dakota. Some towns are just born huh. evil if they're there born are villains any, yeah. any red team it's any red team <laughs> that carries through in this as well oh yeah Dallas josh Carter. i want to remind you that you that you are currently working for the red raiders <laughs> I've, I've, i don't know this for a fact but it seems like we've been distancing ourselves from the red portion everything oh, okay. just says raiders now i mean we still are red so right. But at yeah. least, and we're still Raiders, which for a Christian college doesn't make sense to me. But whatever, that's fine. That's a whole other conversation. Uh, I gotta say, but, when I applied, when I applied to college, the big deciding factor because like, I got accepted to USD first, and then I was like, "Ah, they're red. I can't." Red team. And as yeah. I now know, people that go to USD are also villains. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Inherently. I like so, that your college choice was came down to. I don't think I look good in red. <laughs> yeah, not for me. Well, not no, he's just more that's of a how he knew guy. they were villains. Yeah, it's how I knew they were evil. Gotcha. <laughs> so, perfect example of this. We talked about me breaking my jaw. That was by Wagner, so that they're a red mm. team. Later on in the year, at a basketball game, a uh, friend of the show, Austin Ringling, was shooting a free throw, and we were playing Wagner in Platt, and the student section for Wagner started started chanting, "Broken jaw." I remember broken this. jaw. Uh, they thought Austin was the one who had broken his jaw. Uh, so they that was like kind of their not so subtle That's high five hilarious. between themselves. And I actually went over to the Wagner side and sat next to the guy who broke my jaw. And I was like, what's up, man? You like ruined my life for six weeks, but <laughs> I made it. <laughs> I talked to him for a while. He didn't know what to do with it. It was kind nice. of an awkward move, but Love to see very, <laughs> very, a very villainous chant by the student section of a red team. So our... Our theory, uh, classless, <laughs> the worst. How do we feel about the about the red team 
in the movie Dallas Carter. Dallas Carter. I There's do, a lot I to do talk wanna about. Di- I want to really, dive into that for sure. Really, I don't. What's is there anything specifically bad about them other than they're way better at football than the team that they're playing? <laughs> Here's they, what's bad they, about just them: being being physical, like it's football. What's the problem? <laughs> I'll tell. I'll tell you what's bad about them: the way that they're depicted in the movie. Because <laughs> yeah, it is very obvious that they are using a primarily minority team and making them look villainous in a lot of ways. And it is very troubling. And I do want to dive into that in the, in the Anthony gets political. segment. <laughs> okay. But I, I will say this. I listened to the commentary and they went off about this Peter Berg and Bud Bissinger. Now, as we've mentioned, these are very douchey people who yeah. seem very toxic. So take this all with a grain of salt. But they were talking about how much like flack they took for how Dallas Carter was depicted, and Buzz Buzz Bissinger was like, "Listen, I they had the way we depicted them had nothing to do with their skin color. That's how they were. They were a dirty team. They were a cocky team. They were very big and very good, and they knew it. And that's yeah. just like that's actually who they were. So like, yeah, I can see how that comes off bad, but that's that's not what we were doing. But yeah, again, I don't trust Buzz Bissinger to be a <laughs> yeah. decent I mean, human it's, being. It's, right. good, it's good that they genuinely, well, I, I want to say it's good that they genuinely believed it as opposed to like cynically doing it on purpose. That would obviously be worse. Yeah. Uh, or even just like changing the story to make it more dramatic or something. Mm-hmm. I guess. Well, here's, here's another thing that he gave as evidence. Uh, was that later in the season, five of the players got uh, arrested for breaking and entering, and the l- lowest jail sentence of all of them was 12 years, which is a whole nother conversation. Wow. But, <laughs> but yeah, like they actually... That says more about Texas than anything else. <laughs> right. Yeah. They well, actually also, did like go to jail. They were... Well, yeah. And also... Uh, didn't like Permian win the state championship the next year and the then get it year. revoked because they were cheating? No doubt. No, that was the other thing he said was this championship from the movie was actually yeah. revoked from Dallas Carter because they were they they had an ineligible player that oh, they're using, so it was retroactively right. stripped from them. Right. So that and, was his and, other thing. Like and they were the, cheap. They were dirty. In, in real life, it wasn't even the. The final, right? It was the it was the semifinal. Yeah, it was. It was like that, I want to say it was like lost. the first pro pre, or like the first oh, playoff yeah. game or something like that. That's right. Yeah, it was. It was early. definitely earlier than the finals. Um, which here's the thing about that is I don't believe Bus Bissinger <laughs> and Berg for this reason only is that they were like the fact that they were like let's play at a neutral site. How about the Astrodome? They're not playing a even a semifinal. I don't remember exactly what game it was that they lost. But even a semifinal game, you're not being like, let's play at a neutral location. How about the freaking Astrodome? 12-hour <laughs> bus ride. I'm guessing yeah. they changed that in the script for like, le- just because Dramatic they had... Purposes. Well, they I'm assuming the- because they already had shots of the of a game being played in the Astrodome. But it, I'm assuming. I really... Because right. if they were, if they had it where it actually was set in like College Station or something... They maybe they just didn't have rights to that film or something. That's I don't possible. Know. I, uh, that's what I would think. So th- I think this is as good a time as any to actually talk about Peter Berg Let's and go. Buzz Bissinger. Let's because go. I've been doing some research, friends. And <laughs> oh. uh, they're too... Uh, Josh, as you said, having listened to the commentary... What, what, I mean, yeah, like, say again, what do you, how do you, how do they come off? 
generally to you? They come off like douchey bros. Uh, turns out they're cousins. Yes. <laughs> we what? discussed in a... What? <laughs> <laughs> this came up uh, in a pre-show text. I, and I maybe spoiled that in that a text. It was spoiled. Um, but um, I, I've got a little bit of a of a timeline of Peter Berg's career that I that intersects with Buzz Bissinger in a few different spots, and I think it's interesting. Let me give you a specific example real quick before we yeah, get into that. Absolutely. Okay, so first of all, yeah, the whole that whole discussion on Dallas Carter felt very... Uh, the way you would expect someone trying to defend themselves not being a racist to sound felt felt intensely privileged maybe yeah so that's that's number one number two and i sent this to the the other two people in this conversation that are on snapchat which jordan you're not sorry uh, but there is a portion of the commentary where buzz bissinger is absolutely just railing against people who critiqued the movie and who had and oh this was actually about dallas carter like he is just going off about how like ridiculous it is that people were criticizing this. And then they like, there's a shot of the Dallas Carter cheerleaders and Peter Berg is like, Oh, those Dallas Carter cheerleaders were hot. And then Buzz <laughs> Bissinger's like, yeah, man. Whoa, boy. And then every time they show up on screen, they're like, Oh, there they are. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, are you, oh, you guys know this is being recorded, right? And Jeepers. you know that you're depicting them as being high schoolers, right? Yeah, exactly. Like whether or not the actresses actually are high schoolers. The other thing was it really seemed like uh, about two-thirds of the way through, Peter Berg just lost all interest in what he was doing and just left right. Buzz, Bissinger, Buzz Bissinger to just like couldn't, carry the entire Couldn't commentary. keep it going for two hours. Buzz Bissinger straight up said like, hey, you're looking at your phone a lot there, man. You want to <laughs> <laughs> contribute? And that's and this is yeah. I was gonna yeah. say this is when there was not much going on in phones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, he was playing snake text. Snake, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so okay, so that's my no. That's yeah, okay. That, that's that's good. That actually, leads into my first thing, which is that I have written down, which is uh, Peter Berg, basically the Midwest Michael Bay. <laughs> and I, I and I I have uh, evidence to back it up. I feel, but mainly, <laughs> yes. Mainly, it's that uh, the same way that uh, Michael Bay is a very Californian version of just like, this is just what dudes like. Uh, <laughs> Peter Berg is that for the Midwest. And if you look just at guys the, being dudes. the arc of his career, it is literally just a bunch of movies about guys being dudes. They um, actually commented on how there are like zero women in this show, in this yeah. movie. Like they, mm -hmm. they mentioned it multiple times. Like, oh, you let a woman talk here. He he only has <laughs> he only has interest in basically one woman, and that woman is Rihanna. So not maybe the best example <laughs> of like you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, and and Connie Britton on the commentary. They yes. sounded a lot like Anthony yeah, and I go. talking about how wonderful Connie Britton is. <laughs> she is truly a tremendous woman. We've cut um, hours of Josh and I proven. <laughs> That could be its own podcast. Absolutely. Things we've cut from the actual podcast the, about the Connie Britton podcast starring Josh and Anthony with just outcasts. Uh, okay. That'd be good. That'd be good. So he he was born in New York, but he actually went to college in St. Paul, Minnesota. Fun fact. Where? Um, literally. Uh, so you can actually triangulate it from where Tyler and I are. You went to McAllister, Tyler, huh. which is That's super close to me. Literally a mile south of me here in St. Paul. So uh, he, he spent some time in the Midwest, at least enough to realize that he wanted to tell stories about guys from the Midwest for his entire life. 
Um, <laughs> and so, you know, his, his kind of career, you've got like the rundown and then Friday Night Lights, the movie where he pulled the script from his, yeah, from the book his cousin wrote, which is a good time. Um, <laughs> and, uh, then, you know, he goes on to do Friday Night Lights season one, episode one. He directed that. He did end of, actually the only other episode of Friday Night Lights he directed was season four, episode one. But then he has like a weird, uh, he directs The Kingdom and Hancock, which the only thing is, uh, Hancock's a weird, weird outlier for when superhero movies were starting to get big. But uh, The Kingdom is very much his thing where he uh, fell in with the locals too much. In this term, the locals being people that work for the FBI. Um, <laughs> and also this, I, a similar thing to this movie in the sense that it's like, this is just how things are. It's just yep. a cycle that never ends. Don't think about it too much. Yep. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> Jordan, before you go any further, I just want to say I love your Michael Bay, Midwest Michael Bay uh, comparison because as I'm looking through Peter Berg's IMDb, just going off of his movies, I would describe them as in no particular order. Uh, movie I loved as a kid. Uh, movie that's fine. Banger. Banger. That's eh, fine. Oh, and then he goes into gets a boner for Mark Wahlberg. I was just gonna say, then he, <laughs> just totally Michael Bay. <laughs> then he meets Mark Wahlberg, and his career just tanks. Yes, yeah, yeah that's the same as Michael Bay. Like wow. that's exactly how I would describe. It's crazy. So, wow. so really, then this is when it gets into what I think the real kicker is, is when he directs Battleship. Battleship is literally the defining movie of his career in such a weird way. Oh. Um, he because he gets in with the Navy, he gets to use Tim Riggins in in a lead role, and he meets Rihanna. That's those are like his three things. Um, so so then oh, from man. then from then on, you've got um, uh, base and this is so. Here's the crux of the whole thing: is, is that I can't quite figure out. You know, I think we live in. In in two thousand four, for example, you could make a movie and it was essentially apolitical. Um, mm. In twenty twenty, nothing's apolitical anymore. Everything is political in some way, and so we look at it, you know, through a lens backwards of like, all right, what are the politics of Peterberg? And truly, after looking through all of this stuff, it's confusing. Uh, there's no good answer. <laughs> um, in in two thousand twelve, the other thing that happened with him is that he got mad at Mitt Romney for using "clear eyes, full hearts can't lose" the catchphrase, and Buzz Bissinger came back saying that no, actually Mitt Romney's a good guy; he should be able to use this. <laughs> really? You know who's bad is Obama. Uh, so immediately, that seems to give me like an idea of like, okay, so Peter Berg, you know, maybe he's like more on the Democratic side, and maybe Buzz Bissinger is more of a conservative guy. Um, I vaguely remember that happening, and now knowing that they're cousins is makes that even yeah. stranger. Because I totally do remember that happening. But and here's here's the here's my actual thing of trivia with the two of them that that confused me to no end. in In 2015, um, I don't know if you remember, but uh, Caitlyn Caitlyn Jenner won a an ESPN Arthur Ashe Courage Award. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and 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 uh, Peter Berg. Uh, basically did a big criticism thing about it um, and said some extremely insensitive language about uh, Caitlyn Jenner and transgender people in general, um, which was interesting because 
the person that wrote the Vanity Fair cover story about Caitlyn Jenner, that her whole like coming out thing was Buzz Bissinger. No freaking way. And so it's, it seems like they just weave back and forth in this weird dance of like, which one of us is conservative? Which one of us is more liberal? <laughs> I don't know. It's I, I can't get I think, over that. I think they just like us to think about them and what what they have yeah. going on. You know, I don't think you're wrong. Um, <laughs> I think they just like to get attention. The yeah, other so weird and, and, you know, so and so ultimately, I think that that. Buzz Bissinger is just a writer. He just like picks things and he just like, as soon as he writes about a thing, he defends it to the very end. But, um, I think Peter Berg, um, one, he is the human embodiment of, uh, the guy who is, ex- who is ready to call someone a, p- yes. if you read, if you read any of his articles, that's literally the only thing I get from it is that he is obsessed with like doing push ups and fighting people. Like, <laughs> is Peter is, is Peter Bergen employed with Barstool Sports yet? Or <laughs> that's, that's a good it, fit. It's he, it's a perfect fit that they haven't figured out yet. He's gonna um, make his own version of that with Mark Wahlberg any day yeah. now. It, honestly, yes. Um, he but the other thing is that he is obsessed with the sort of salt of the earth people who do these jobs that are traditionally uh lower class and oftentimes that comes across as conservative but he he himself wouldn't describe himself as conservative only because he lives in hollywood um Hmm. so what's the answer i don't know um he did get peter berg on the joe rogan podcast and we can learn something (laughs) i think we would find out out (laughs) i don't know how much we'd find out because every interview i've read with him has been uh, I actually have a bunch of quotes. I won't like swarm us with quotes, but um, in a interview in 2016, after Trump was elected, he said, uh, for Berg, when it comes to politics, he considers himself a centrist with no allegiance to any political party. I found when I did Lone Survivor, my more liberal friends were attacking me for being sympathetic with the NRA and with hardcore Republicans. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the Republicans I work with were accusing me of being some Hollywood leftist, he said. I just said, I'm going to ignore all this. I believe there are issues and themes that transcend politics which is in uh, a pretty privileged position to right. say, I, I would say someone who makes movies has the ability to say that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's about as far as I can go with that without <laughs> really ranting, but um, it hasn't been a rant so far. I, I appreciate that <laughs> because uh, the other thing, <laughs> the other, the other interview one I want to say is from, uh, the a men's journal interview, which you can about imagine wh- how th- those kind of go, but uh, <laughs> oh boy, it comes down to effort. Berg says with a drill sergeant's intensity, figure uh, out something you like doing and have and and you have to work. You have to, and if you can't figure it out, you have to go figure it out. Laziness will destroy you. Apathy will destroy you. And the interviewer says, "But what if I'm someone who just likes sleeping in and hanging out with my friends?" I asked, doing my best to goad him. Then you're going to end up frustrated, bored, and probably on a bad path, he says. Berg smells blood. A big Cheshire cat smile comes over his face. Wake the f*** up, make some sacrifices, and don't be a f***ing p- <laughs> That's what he said. I mean, like, yeah. he, that's that's his entire ethos. And that's why I think he was so excited to follow, you know, a bunch of high school football players for, for whom football is life and death. And why he now cast mark mm. Wahlberg as an oil guy and a cia guy and an army guy and think, whatever other guy i think peter berg's whole deal is trying and failing to find something to care about because like he basically <laughs> makes this whole movie of 
people trying to convince kids to care about the only thing they already care about. And then he basically just makes a bunch of like really cynical, like the kingdom, same thing. It's like, ah, whatever. It's a nightmare. Who cares? Hitchcock, ah, whatever. I have superpowers. Who cares? Like, <laughs> and then he just makes a bunch of movies about like national level tragedies. It's like, yeah. what yeah. does it take to get this guy out of bed every day? Deepwater Horizon, <laughs> um, the the Boston Marathon. I didn't one. even know they made a Boston yeah. Marathon. Movie. Patriots Day, yeah. Yes, I'm actually curious now what he did with Battleship, just because like, I think Battleship aliens invading. Everything. Does, does aliens invading get him to rise out of his apathy? Right. <laughs> I'm interested to watch Battleship just to see a. What what happens in Battleship? Because what are you gonna do with a Hasbro board game? <laughs> B Rihanna, that's yeah. the main thing. And he's <laughs> and he's continued to uh, shoot stuff for Rihanna. Um, in 2014, he Can was shooting him? he was shooting a uh, some sort of video for Rihanna in in Nice. Nice is that what it's called? Nice, nice. France. Nice Nice, I think, or yeah, I think Nice or Nice. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's nice. In 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 2014, he was filming something for Rihanna in France, and he was at the Bastille Day truck terror attack. He had just finished filming Patriots Day, so this guy is like somehow. I think he did it so that he could make a movie about it later. (laughs) He was running out of material. (laughs) Um, One so one other thing in 2014 that happened is that Burke wrote an article called why my son is no longer allowed to play football about cte which was i thought was also very interesting so the guy who seemed to popularize it uh 10 years later like yeah just a a short distance and only like two years removed from the tv show ending yeah pretty close yeah huh although Uh, i mean the nfl was hiding cte from everybody that also true yes an interesting (laughs) I will say that might actually be something in his favor to that, that his views had evolved in some way, but um, he seems like he really struck gold with Friday night lights. And I think um, being an executive producer and just letting other creators and the actors kind of do their thing and sort of improv a lot of stuff uh, was really the saving grace of the show Hmm. to me. There was a lot of improv on the movie too. He talked about, was it really nice? Yep. Um, the other thing <laughs> I learned from Peter Berg is that uh, he got to know the locals in Odessa because of the time he spent at the local gentlemen's club, the Jaguar <laughs> Club. So if you're in Odessa, Texas, uh, check out sponsor of so Reliving the Lights, Jaguar <laughs> Club. <laughs> and he gave the so the, the the guy who plays the sheriff in the movie, like you remember when he like drives up next to the like Billings yeah. and Chavez yep. and they're eating the burritos and drinking the chocolate milk. That's the actual sheriff of Odessa. And he gave him like this bit part cameo uh, to get on his good side because he figured he'd get into trouble while Unreal. he was in. Wow. If you find me naked at 4 a.m. on the highway. Yeah. Like, Just that's, remember, I got you in my movie. That's, that's what he said. So Yikes. I feel like that all fits pretty pretty well with what Um, you just described. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. In in terms of, I do want to say one positive thing about Peter Berg and the Mm -hmm. filmmaking style of this movie because we've been trashing him for a solid half hour. (laughs) Fantastic. uh, In real time. But one thing I did really dig, and it's one thing that the TV show does a lot as well, but there was one shot, especially that I really liked. It's when Booby gets re injured. When he goes mm, back in and he gets re injured, and there's like you see it happen on the field, 
and then it like pans to the crowd and his uncle is standing up and it like zooms on him being really concerned like that had to have been a really like really tight choreographed thing mm-hmm. i was really impressed like seeing that particular shot yeah really the way they shot all of the football was there, cool it yeah like it was you so have, good. and you gotta give it to him you gotta think dudes rock to be that good at filming football <laughs> yeah, that's true yeah <laughs> so he, I mean, this is ultimately the separate the art from the artist thing. Can you do it or not? Like, it, it's it's it is a good movie. It looks ultimately. Great. It I is. I enjoyed the movie while I was watching it, and I like talking about it. It gives me enough to say that I think it's good. I was Man. very sad often throughout the movie just because of how bleak it is. But I thought it was it looks awesome, and like it yeah. is incredibly engaging, basically mm-hmm. the entire time, mm-hmm. which is exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I really loved I just want to talk about um, scenes I really liked. And we t- kind of talked earlier about how kind of the precursor to this movie was Remember the Titans. Like that was the football movie. Like when we were in high school, like that was yep. the football movie. And to this day, mm-hmm. it's pretty high. You know, people yeah. hold that to a pretty high. You're going to see that one rerunning on cable TV for more sure. than any other football movie. I, I think the soundtrack really carried a lot of weight for that, for that movie. For Remember the Titans? Yeah, absolutely. That was like fifty songs. Neither, wasn't neither it? here nor there, but I, was I think say, it, that was basically it the was Forrest the Gump soundtrack. Mm-hmm. But a few years later, right? I was gonna, I was gonna say it's basically how like Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah, uh, got the I, the hooked on a feeling song back. Yep. <laughs> I mean, if you want to put if you want to put soundtracks head to head, though, I'm taking the Friday Night Lights soundtrack every dang time. Well, I know it's you my, will. It's my favorite soundtrack <laughs> of all time. One of my favorite albums of all time. They got the yeah. Stooges in there. We got off. We got off. Go ahead. <laughs> um, but I, like, the party scene, there's a scene where, like, the first thing you see is, like, a downward shot from above of a beer bong, like, being yes. filled. Sloshing. And then there's the the scene of the girl who's, like, macking on um, the quarterback. Winchell, yeah. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. like, are you gay? Prove it if you're not. Like, <laughs> how, how joyless is this whole endeavor in the sense that like, even when a guy has sex, he just gets bullied into it. <laughs> like, <laughs> these guys cannot be filmed having fun for one second. It's just like, it's, it's the very end with Winchell. It's literally the very end yeah. of the movie. He smiles. That's like yep. literally the only time you see yeah. him smile. Well, after the makes season him laugh is done. Once. He's finally he free from impression. Yeah. <laughs> he's free from the prison of football. That's the and trick. Then he passes, and then he passes, a, he passes the curse to the kids. Yep. Playing, That's your right. problem now, kids. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> That's it. He's handing off the problem of football to a new generation. He can leave it behind. Which I think it was funny that he, he was the one who was worried that he was cursed. And it's like, you are, dude. Like, <laughs> Correct. It's called living in Texas and, and uh, having everybody like force you to make football your entire life. <laughs> right. You have to play football um, to get a job as a surveyor. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Only <laughs> only your football friends can get you a, can get you this job. It's it's like uh it's like joining a uh, fraternity in college. Right. Right. It's, it's mainly um, marketing. But I love it. and then of course there's later in that scene where um is it Billingsley who's he's with uh what's her name and then Tim McGraw comes in and like mm-hmm. basically goes ham on him. Like, yeah, probably. I think I think that to me was the scariest like alcoholism scene in the movie. Yep, definitely. Mm-hmm. 
where then the kids are just like just go back to bed dad please <laughs> like just let me have oh this. yeah mm-hmm. and he's like duct taping his hands to hold the football yeah and it's yeah. just yeah real Once trouble again can't be seen having fun yeah <laughs> i didn't it, i don't know i just kept thinking of that throughout the whole thing of like even if you would put together how much time they spent on the games where they lost versus the games that they won all the games that they won for the most part they just kind of breeze through them it's yeah. like that eh, just they won it was, mm-hmm. it was good mm-hmm. and then all the games they lost like let's spend a lot of time seeing the kids suffer and <laughs> be yeah. miserable and be disappointed and it's like isn't this the only time they're gonna have fun like it's not what they to keep be. getting told every five seconds um uh, and sorry while i'm going on that i gotta i gotta talk about the ending of the movie um for those who i don't know if we're following along for even attempting to describe the plot of the movie effectively or not but <laughs> again in the playoffs they go through the playoffs they play dallas carter this really big school and they get to halftime of the game and the speech that Billy Bob Thornton, the coach makes at halftime absolutely blew my mind because <laughs> the whole time, the whole season they've been going on about, you got to be perfect. You got to win. The only thing that matters is winning the state championship. If you don't win the ch- state championship, you're nothing. Mm-hmm. And then he gets to halftime of the last game of the season. And he's like, Hey guys, here's the thing. Winning isn't actually everything. It's about whether or not you tried your best. Yeah. And I was just sitting there, I'm like, are you joking? Like, <laughs> like you're just gonna like pull the like, is this like a giant society-wide prank to basically and like on one hand, I kind of get it because they're kind of right. It's like if you have a problem, put it in a football. Like if you want to get a job, put it in a football. If you want your dad to like you, put it in a football. Like, no matter what it is, there's only one solution and it's football. And we have to all convince ourselves that it is literally about winning because that's the only way that you actually can do your best. You know what mm. I mean? It's just like, mm. you actually have to be focused on the result. And then at the end, it's just like, oh yeah, by the way, uh, it's just about whether or not you tried your best. Yeah. My three month rug pull is complete. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's like, they seem to respond to it really well. So I don't know why... Like you're Josh, you're talking about the preseason and how he was basically like kind of adding to what the whole town was saying about how literally the only thing that matters is if we win a state championship. Uh-huh. And it's like, I feel like he could have been dropping that in there a lot sooner, you know, like <laughs> going with the like the Bill Belichick model of like whether you actually win the game is secondary to whether or not you like did your job effectively moment to moment, you uh-huh. know. And it's like, nah, they just thought they'd wait till the end. Just, I don't know. That that really just got me. I don't know why. I I did like his thing about how the it did not make sense in the context of the rest of the season. But I did like yeah. his thing about how like the difference between winning and losing really isn't that much. Yeah. Like that was it, actually it was, pretty cool. It was super like inspiring and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, but I was just like, man, gotcha. like, yeah, maybe <laughs> read you that? earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe lead with that. Like, I don't know. I just kept because in a movie that depicts this kind of situation, like like um, an attempting to describe a society or like a whole town or whatever, like you got to have like the ethos, and usually you have something on like the counter side of what's being shown to you or like what mm. people are telling you constantly, and the wife was kind of the only person who was like, maybe there's something else, you know? And I just right. kept thinking like, man, like Billy Bob Thornton as their coach 
or Coach Gaines or whatever you want to call him, he's really on the side of all of the people who we're being led to believe are like unhinged. Like he doesn't really tell the kids yeah. anything that disagrees with um, what like all the super rich guys are telling him or all these guys really mean dads are telling them. He's pretty much just like, yeah, they're all right. You got to, here's how you tackle, by the way. <laughs> like, and I was just like waiting for somebody to be on the other side. And then he does right at the end. Yeah. Which well, is, I mean, if you think about it, he's built his entire life around yeah. this whole model. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. he literally only matter. And nothing matters for him and his family, except whether Absolutely. that team well, wins or not. And I think that's why I just was thinking of it at the end that I was like, man, it's one thing to say it after they lose, but to say it at halftime, it makes it seem like you're kind of saving it for like a really important situation. <laughs> yeah. and like, and then I was just starting to think of it strategically. Like it can't be good strategically to literally only ramp up the pressure on kids. <laughs> like you're, they're all going to have mental breakdowns. And so right. I just, I don't know. Turns out that is bad. And <laughs> it is funny because it, I like to think that they suddenly play better because Suddenly, the coach has finally lifted the weight off of all of their collective shoulders. Like that's how I felt. Have you have you considered that maybe you don't have to win? Well, and or they're just like, oh, we can just play, or just cool. letting them in on the secret, which is basically that whether you win or lose at football does help you with all these other things, like getting into a college. And by the way, you're there. Like the whole thing is getting to, like once you get to the state championship. People who know football kind of know that it's like, yeah, basically everybody who makes the state championship game is pretty much as good as everybody else. And so it's yeah. like, here's the thing. You're there. You can kind of relax now. Like you're going <laughs> to get a scholarship either way. <laughs> like if yeah. you were going to get one, it's pretty much locked in at this point. <laughs> so have fun for the first time ever. <laughs> yeah, You've got like 20 minutes of game time to enjoy here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Enjoy you know, your final two quarters. Your whole life is building up to this and it ends in about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dive into, I think, something really important for this show, Reliving the Lights. There are two sort of returning characters between the movie yes. and the show mm -hmm. that are not necessarily returning characters, but returning actors. Oh yeah, loosely, loosely returning characters. Yeah, right. So we. I think got... you could say returning characters in the sense that they both feel like literally exactly the same. Yeah. So I they mean, didn't have to got... change any notes other than name. We've got Brad Leland as the head of the boosters, uh, John Aubrey, who is basically Buddy Garrity dialed down to like three. <laughs> right. Yeah. Did they ever they actually him... say his name out loud? I don't. Ooh, that does not it sound probably familiar. didn't have to because it wasn't as good as Buddy Garrity. Right. Yeah. Buddy Garrity oh. is an all-timer name. If they had given him more time, he would have absolutely blossomed into the Buddy character. Yeah, the Buddy Garrity character we know and love for sure. Like the moment, the the scene outside of Walmart when mm -hmm. they pull up yes. in like the like Mazda Miata or whatever it was, <laughs> like crappy little sports car. Um. And basically tell coach like if he doesn't win state, he's gonna lose his job, and that'd be a real shame. <laughs> like, like two members of the mob that that own a car dealership. <laughs> yeah, it's very buddy. Is a a total buddy Garrity moment. Qu quick fun fact: the assistant principal of Permian High School was named Buddy, and they said he was instrumental in kind of bridging the gap between 
both the like both Buzz and Peter Berg and the community because apparently the community hates Buzz Bissinger now and hates Peter Berg for Fantastic. the book and the movie. They, Buzz Bissinger said he's he hasn't been back because he'd be beat up. Like literally, yeah. he, he knows he would be beat up if he. Did went you back see there. too that like um, I don't know who would have made this deal with them for making the movie that basically they were only going to let them do it if they didn't make the town seem as racist as it was in the book <laughs> i did not see that <laughs> they basically no. had to i don't know what kind of deal that would entail but they did you know. do a very good job with what they did with dallas carter and that whole scene <laughs> well <laughs> apparently <laughs> apparently the town was more explicitly racist yeah. in the book and in you, real life you, you only got that one glimpse yeah. at that like booster dinner or whatever that yeah. was where they use the n-word uh, yeah, which was pretty shocking. And then because they, they didn't really show they like they didn't really describe the school as being like um, like there were kids who were all friends with each other, you mm-hmm. know, like it. So and there wasn't anything like kids weren't really mean to each other. So I'm sure that was a lot of what they took out. Yeah. Texas in 1988. It seems weird to me that if that was a nod to this assistant principal that they really loved, that they gave it to the character of Buddy Garrity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I Buddy guess. is friendly. You got to give him that. Uh, <laughs> <he's>, <laughs> Buddy, the one, the one thing friendly you can actually say about Buddy yes. is True. that he is good at forging bonds between people who, or like, like, kind of being a bridge between people who would never get along or talk in a million years. Yeah. Somehow yeah. he is the guy who is like, I've communicated with the, for, to the people with the money and they wanted <laughs> you, the people that they're giving the money to, to do this thing. And I'm the messenger and I don't feel bad about it because I have no shame because I am Buddy Garrity. <laughs> it's a unique role in every community. Someone's <laughs> got to do it. Might as well be Buddy. But then we also have Connie Britton as mm. Gary Gaines' wife. Lovely. Mrs. Coach. As charming as ever. She, as delightful as ever. It, she you, re- you really she, want to give her more. We she love really to is see Tammy. Her. She's just yeah. Tammy. And She's just Tammy. They, I think they basically told her, like, do exactly what you did, but we're going to give you five seasons worth yeah. to actually mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. I assume- they, they, they even named her in the commentary as the unsung hero of the movie, which I think goes right along with what we wouldn't call her yeah. the unsung hero of the TV show. She's just maybe possibly definitely in the top two or three for MVP of the entire series. Yeah, absolutely. I feel Under like the, sung. I feel like Under the development sung. from the movie to the TV show a lot of it was probably like, okay, we need to make this into a TV show. It can't be as bleak. Uh, I know. Let's just get a lot more Connie Britton. <laughs> yeah. Just like, it can't be like 5,000% more. We we need to let women talk at least a little <laughs> bit more. So yeah. I feel like Connie Britton is the answer to Let's give these guys some girlfriends. Let's have, hey, there's, let's give the wife a reason to like know what these kids have going on and make her the guidance counselor. Uh-huh. And boom. Hey, that's a lady I wouldn't uh, hate to hear talk. Why don't we just have her do it? <laughs> well, that was a good last time. There's a scene where she's like, what about Alaska? I bet they don't that was take great. football. That was good. Serious in Alaska, which is like, that happens in like the first season of Friday Night Lights. Yep. 
too, yep. right? Where yep. she's like, they what if we went right to Philadelphia there. or something? Yeah, or like, yeah. <laughs> Washington or I don't know. That was I a good st- pull. Yeah, I, I still can't remember where they actually end up at the end of the series, but it's it's one of Connie Britton's places that she wants to that's, go. Mrs. Coach's right. place that she wants to go because they don't care as much about football. So really, <laughs> this dream started in the actual movie and it's realized finally at the finale of the series. happier ending. The whole yeah. series is a long show about a family deciding to move. Just <laughs> 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 what goes into that. Uh, can I can I give a brief football aside? I see trending on Twitter, uh, football team at Cowboys, and I keep forgetting that they're <laughs> going by Washington football team. I love it. Which truly, I mean... Do, way to just cut to the end. Don't even just bother with the middle part. Yeah, I hope they don't just, change it. I hope they just, they just be Washington football team. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of what soccer teams do, though, right? Like the yeah, it's all about the just the where the Barcelona FC or whatever. You know, I feel like yeah, club. Washington FT. I guess is what they would be. <laughs> but it, yeah. it's just funny United. to see football team at Cowboys, and it seems like is that. <laughs> Why Did wouldn't they put Washington what, at Cowboys? What part? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's great. I hope they, I literally hope they never. Okay. Change. I hope they just stick with While, while we're talking about that, can we talk about the mojo thing? Yeah. Mojo. I am, I am baffled by yes, the mojo. mojo to me. What yes. is happening? Are they the Panthers? <laughs> They're the Panthers. For some reason, that high school was like called Mojo. That was like I the think, nickname for the high school. It must have been like one of those like inside bits. That yeah. like grew into a major thing. It's kind of like so SDSU, like we're agricultural institute, and there's like you remember that uh, that classic SNL bit with Christopher Walken where he's like, "I've got a fever, and the only cure is more cowbell." Yeah. SDSU kind of like adopted that as their own thing. Like yeah. I, cowbells. when I graduated, I got a small cowbell in the mail for mm-hmm. my department. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I think it's kind of like that. Like where they're like saying CCU "mojo" is, is their equivalent of banging a cowbell. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I that's that's my theory. That's my yeah, theory. Yeah. No, because it, it seems like it's not like their mascot or whatever. It's just like their slogan, right? Or like their catch. Actually, here's here's my fan theory. Come on. Somebody in Odessa, Texas, time traveled to 1999 and watched Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me, <laughs> <laughs> and was like, "Hold on." <laughs> I got, even better. Love this. <laughs> yeah. I got an even better theory. Austin Powers himself, I don't know if you remember in the second movie, time travels back to 1969. And well, gave it to someone from, from Odessa, Texas. There it is. <laughs> I mean, Austin Powers is from the 60s, right? That's the whole bit. That's Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but, in the, but I'm saying that like he changed. He, I, I want to make it more complicated. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He, he came into the future, saw that the, the, he didn't like the Friday Night Lights movie, and he yes. thought, I need to influence this for the better. They keep, <laughs> went back, <laughs> went back, told them about Mojo. They keep they calling it, it Permian, baby. <laughs> Why don't you just call it Mojo? <laughs> I buy that. Um, but realistically, somebody in Texas is probably just really into Muddy Waters. That's <laughs> the Got My Mojo yeah, working song. That's got to be it. I went to permianpanthersfootball.com slash what is mojo. And uh, maybe I'll just read what it says here. Please. 
In 1969, Austin Powers. It does. It goes back to 1967. Scrappy Doo is missing in Miami. Fictional character Austin Powers traveled through time to the city of Odessa. I cannot wait for the Austin Powers Friday Night Lights crossover sequel. (laughs) (laughs) He coaches the team or something. Clear eyes, smash baby. baby. Smash baby. Full hearts, baby. I love how Austin Powers' impression is just adding baby on the end. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's all I got. I don't even do accents. <laughs> Clear eyes. Groovy hot, baby. <laughs> Can't lose. <laughs> My British accent is atrocious, it's but I'm great. glad that you're willing to bring yeah. it along with yeah. me. It's great. <laughs> all right, here's what it says. Stories about the origin and meaning of mojo as it pertains to Permian football are numerous. So numerous, in fact, that another website could likely be devoted to that subject alone. I feel like that's us saying, like, that's a whole nother podcast in and of itself, which comes up a lot. I think we've got a Uh, Juicy Lucy situation in our hands where, like, there's, like, two or more places that claim the origin. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Well, here's, here's where it gets into it. One theory is that a fan was heard to say after a big comeback victory, we really have had our mojo working from the popular Muddy Waters blues song of the same name. So that was definitely a shout out when Buddy is, I got my voodoo working uh-huh. <laughs> in the, the first season. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, another version of the story is that several overserved, in quotation marks, overserved alumni started to yell and it took off from there. Whatever the story is, generally accepted that mojo was first yelled during a game in 1967. And by the next year, the battle cry was being yelled in unison at all games. So it absolutely could be Austin Powers. 1967, <laughs> as you know, as you as you may or may not know. So the first Austin Power movie came out in 1997, and he had been frozen in time for 30 years. So he went <gasps> into freezing That's in 1967. Right. Oh boy, <laughs> I think we've unlocked it. I'm gonna see if I can find like an email or some way to contact the person who runs this website and let them know Austin we figured it out. <laughs> I feel like in I feel like in most of these situations where there's like an urban legend and no one's quite sure where it came from, I always assume it's the most boring one. Yeah. yeah. And that people just wanted to make up a bunch of stuff to make it more interesting. I really buy that it's just a bunch of drunk guys. Like someone said it, someone else was like, dude, yeah, mojo. Mojo, (laughs) mojo. And they just yelled it. I would not be surprised if that's zero thought. Zero I'm 100% meaning. sure that that's how the Cowbell SDSU thing started. It was a bunch of drunk dudes who'd watch like the best of Christopher Walken on VHS. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Re- remember uh, in high school bas- state basketball when we would, when someone would make a free throw and it might've been somebody particular, we'd like do this backward salute and we'd go hoit, hoit, hoit. Like it's... <laughs> It's probably no. one of those things. I think it was when Austin Dufresne made a free throw. We would go like this and go, hoi, hoi, hoi. So, like, try and explain that. Trying to, like, yeah, that's nonsense. It's probably the same kind of thing. Like, yeah. just imagine yeah. if that caught on and in, in 30 years people were still doing it and trying to explain why. like adults like, who were like saying a hoit all the time and being like, well, here's how that went down and just lying. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was Austin Powers. Some people think that there was a player called Hoyt that played for the Black Panther. Some people There's think no it, record of him, but some people think it was based on the song that you know, some artist that features the word Hoyt. 
We did have a cheer that was based on a song, and that was Drop It Like It's Hot. When uh, This is what, Austin, what we'd do for Austin Dufresne. When he made a free throw, we'd go, do. do. Yes. I remember that. <laughs> Before we go into awards, I want to talk about this this trivia that's on the IMDb. Yeah. The real life Brian Chavez did go to Harvard and got a law degree, but then he moved back to Odessa and started going to Permian football games with one of his old teammates, longing for the old glory days on the field. One day, angered by a historic Permian loss in a heated rivalry game, Chavez rounded up a posse, broke into a house party, and started brawling with the attendants. His motivation? His girlfriend's ex-husband was at the party and had been fighting with her over the phone while Chavez was trying to watch the game. Chavez was eventually forced to plead guilty to burglary with intent to commit assault and had to settle lawsuits with the victims. Although he avoided jail time, he did have his law license invalidated by the state of Texas. Uh, He has since turned his life around, but this incident had ultimately proved that the pull of Permian High School football was too much for even the smartest and most crowded player to escape. (laughs) That is some editorializing right there. I also heard that one last week, and I was like, this is the guy that went to Harvard, first of all. (laughs) They and then like, also, yeah, real editorializing at the end there. I, I agree. Yeah. The, I mean, the the movie made a real effort to like point out like this is the guy that's going to get out. This is yeah. the guy that yeah. doesn't have to worry about Or that about doesn't it. really mm-hmm. even need football to get out. Boy. Yeah. yeah. They should almost like re-edit the end of the movie just to throw that in there. Yeah. Like, no, it actually does <laughs> suck. 100%. There's no like escape. It, it should just be Brian Chavez got out, went to Harvard. But then came back. <laughs> Turns out, and it went as bad as you might think. And then it's and then it's just Friday Night Lights two, the Brian Chavez story. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna take this in a more traditional reliving the lights uh, form here, and we are going to. Force our awards from the TV show onto yes. the movie. I, you know, I think we make it happen regardless of if it makes sense or not. So we usually start with the Coach Taylor inspirating of the of the episode. So I guess we got to go with Coach Gaines on this. Yep. The the Coach Gaines inspirating. Uh, we've already kind of covered it. Not a terribly yeah. inspiring guy. Yeah. Tyler, no. I feel like you have have thought about this quite a bit. I had strong opinions. He uh, wildly tries to ramp it up at the end, but it's too late. Yeah. They don't, they don't pull off the win. Coach Taylor got them to a state championship, but Coach Gaines fell short. Yeah. Yeah. They, I, I mean, ultimately, they just don't have enough time to really give him a lot of good scenes of ramping it up they the at the end is really the the whole it, the whole thing is is built around his character just like having that last final say and the rest of it is just the pressure of him being a coach he doesn't get a chance to inspire much otherwise yeah i mean if we were rating billy bob thornton as an actor in his performance i'd say it was pretty darn solid that was good yeah. oh absolutely but that's not the award yeah. um no he inspired me as an actor myself <laughs> as a fellow actor I'd love to act like that he inspired me as a person by dating Angelina Jolie yeah <laughs> right give me some credit there and yeah. then in this movie being married to Connie Britton that's probably the most inspiring thing about right. Gates yeah yeah that's inspiring 
Anthony, I feel like you usually set our baseline uh, for yeah. this rating. So I don't know. What are I'm you feeling? Giving him a lot. I'm going to give him a four. Hmm. They did. They That's, did win a lot of games. So. I was gonna. I was giving gonna give him a solid five. Uh, not too good. Not too bad. Right in the middle. I think that last one really brought it up. But before that, he didn't. There were a lot of middle games where he was just yelling and sad, and it just didn't do it for yeah. me. So, really, I think it just right right down the middle. For me, I think that sounds fine to me because as as much as I like to give him a hard time, he did convince Mike not to believe in curses. That's <laughs> that's tough. right. That okay. We should. I mean the the scene where he is meeting in Mike's bedroom, which is weird. Uh, yeah, which is what I thought when I was watching. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I don't know, but uh, I'm having trouble remembering the content of that. But it was the curse. Yeah. talk. Mm-hmm. Would we I think ultimately, that, is ultimately, that positive or negative in the inspirational category? I think it's a positive because ultimately, um, the coach is he is living in a different world than the coach in the show. He yeah. is living in a world that is even more bleak, and yeah. so his role is to inspire these kids to put literally everything they have into the thing that actually will get them somewhere. Yeah. So he does that. Even though it's sad. I feel like Coach Gaines doesn't seem to have a large effect on the success or failure of the team in this movie. Yeah. So, so I feel like a five a five is pretty pretty fair. He mm-hmm. does his job. He works with what he's got yep. and has pretty good success with it. So all right, the Coach Gaines inspiring of the week, we're gonna nail down at a five. And he's stuck there for all eternity. Yeah, there's no... <laughs> that's it. That's all you get, man. Until Friday Night Lights 2, where we get a peak at the 89 <laughs> season, where he won state. But that, I'm pretty sure they were coached by Austin Powers that season, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, what Julie Taylor Hatometer. What are we going to do with that? So he does have a daughter, and she is in one <laughs> scene. Right. She's yeah. got terrible bangs. That's what I know. You got to assume that her name is Julie, but she does make kind of a fun joke. So, and uh, here's where I admit that I don't really hate Julie as much as you guys have. Uh, I, I really just remember her so much from season one being just kind of nice. And I know that season one, Julie, but was she was bad in season two, but guess what? Literally every character in season two is garbage. <laughs> She's Matt, even worse Matt in Saracen seasons three and five. Three through five is a nightmare. Yep. She gets uh, worse. Man. No, she gets worse. She gets so much worse after season two. I, <laughs> I, I understand, but uh, I, I really the Julie uh, Hatometer did never really jived with me. So uh, Josh, I'm Josh give, and I are most of the way through season two, recording wise. And mm. she has not received a 10 yet, and she will receive 10s. <laughs> it's a slow burn. <laughs> yeah. I was perusing the uh, Friday Night Lights Reddit today, and there was a post that was just solely this guy just freaking out about how bratty and entitled and terrible <laughs> Julie Taylor is in season four. Like, that was the entire post. He just had to yeah. get it out. I am very intrigued to see that yes. or to she, just kind of hear more about season four. Julie Taylor sucks. It's terrible. <laughs> In those later seasons, real bad. I think for the movie, um, I mean, I feel like we got to just give her a straight zero. Yeah. I think Basically non-existent. Yeah. 
I was gonna I was gonna put her on the positive end just a little bit, just because she did get like one good line. Do I remember what it is? No, but like <laughs> so I neg- remember it being a vaguely positive interaction, but I would be willing to say zero because there wasn't any negative. Uh she has bad bangs. Uh true. Ooh, that's so that I think it answer. evens out. But it was so. the eighties. Yeah. Ooh, that's right. But Connie what Britton eighty seven Connie Britton had Oh she had terrible hair, hair in the but movie. she made it look good. True. Well, because she's Connie right. Britton. <laughs> <laughs> I just pulled up Friday Night Lights again, and one of the top posts is the official Julia's annoying thread. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, Julia so. Taylor sucks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan just was not paying attention later. No. By that point, I was checked out, I won't lie. Uh, but uh, let any, the record show that we, three. as much as we hate Julie, we love Amy Teagarden. Please come on the show. Oh, my goodness. Yes, but th- another one of the posts, uh, top posts on the Friday Night Lights Reddit is Tyra and Lila's names so similar, and I could not count the amount of times we have screwed up Tyra and Lila's name. Angie so, regularly that's... calls Tyra Twyla, which is, I'm pretty sure, not a real name. <laughs> <laughs> Twyla's totally a name. Twyla sounds like a real backwoods name to me, so it really yeah. it makes it makes hearing that name makes Tyra less attractive to me, which is about as <laughs> hard as can be. Like it doesn't take. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to give uh daughter gains a, I, I think we just go with zero. It's zero. zero. I think yeah, it's fine. We're yeah. neutral on her. All right. The big rig beer tally. Anyone keeping track? I know. Okay. So Billingsley, I'm pretty sure he was pouring liquor in his cup when they were at the diner. Yep. He was for sure. So if I mean, and, and I'm sure he was drinking at the party, right? But do they show it? Uh, good question. I don't. I couldn't remember if he was one of the people on the kegs. And here's the question for you: Big rig maybe implies that uh, another rig could also be doing it, as long as you have the name Rig. <laughs> and we do know that the dad oh. was definitely drinking in this too. So uh, you might be able to have a collective. I mean, collective count. In the spirit of the award, we have never counted any of Pa Riggins or Billy Riggins as beers. Yeah, that'd be out we of definitely could. That have. is fair. So I think just to I think, keep it. I think the Riggins crew would really clean out a liquor store <laughs> is what I'm saying. Yes, for sure. They once did for a big party. That's right. I forgot about the party. Obscene amount of liquor. Uh, we and, I, and, and, and you didn't for that say that the big rig beer tally was 20 kegs. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's not yeah. fair to start now. No. <laughs> that's, that's fair. I'll give you that. Uh, but I would say that. The, the Riggins held to the the Don Billingsley standard. I mean, it's pretty sure. clear that absolutely Don Billingsley sure. was a party boy for sure. So I don't know that we have an official tally here, but Garrett Headland also in Country Strong with Tim McGraw. So <laughs> and to get Lucas it on the pod, Black, Lucas Black also in Sling Blade with Billy Bob yes. Thornton. Yes, <laughs> these guys all, all learn how to talk with a southern accent and just. Kept doing it. They just ride with that. Uh, let's see. How about the Alamo Freeze presents the Matt Saracen Aw Shucks Goofus Malufus moment of the week? <laughs> oh, definitely when he has to prove that he's not gay yep. by that's by sure. having sex with with that girl. But he's still the whole time is literally just tripping over his own dick, trying like, <laughs> oh, I don't know, should I? This girl does. Does this girl like me? What's going on? Like, That's yes, man, come on, just definitely, like, definitely, just give her kind, a kiss. Definitely the kind of situation that Matt Saracen finds himself Absolutely. in very regularly. 
gets defensive about it as if she's pulling a prank on him by talking to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It it is definitely the the moment where Mike Winchell channels Matt Saracen the most. Mm, that is sure. the Matt Saracen moment. So that's for sure it. Another creepy moment of Peter Berg and Buzz Bissinger, whatever the heck his name is, was during that scene when she kisses him at the end. She's like, oh, that girl can kiss. Oh, yeah. She, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, she's got Troubling. a boyfriend and he was he was mad about that one. Troubling. These guys are crazy. So, uh, the Buddy Garrity Sleazeball Movie of the Week. What was his actual name? John, John Aubrey. Aubrey. The John wow. Aubrey Sleazeball Movie of the Week. Uh, <laughs> Got to be the pull-up at Walmart. Oh, for sure the Walmart parking lot. It was. It's not even close. He's like like all but threatening him. Like, yes. He's, he's pretty much saying everything but we will literally carry you out of town on a rail. Yeah, and <laughs> he's being friendly but like kind of annoyingly menacing talkative friendly yeah. yeah well and mo- yeah but most of the other scenes he's just being like an annoyance of just like hey man kind of like leave me alone like i'm trying to mm-hmm. work and you want to tell me how to coach the team constantly right but then yeah he in this one he really is just like hey by the way i could get you fired <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that was that was definitely it uh notable music cues I gotta go. Stooges. I want to be your dog. That was mine. There was some good music. I love that. Song. I think. That's I cool. think Run DMC. It's tricky. Was mine. Ooh, tricky was yeah. very good. I personally love Bring the Noise uh, with uh, Anthrax in Public Enemy. Chuck D. Yeah, Public Enemy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, speaking go, of which, how about Booby Miles' freaking awesome Public Enemy coat that he was wearing? Yeah. That was extremely cool. <laughs> that was sweet. Yeah. I mean, I could never wear it. None of us could ever wear it, but <laughs> no. Still, it I can awesome. admire from afar. I was going to give my musical cue. I was going to go out of left field a little bit and say, uh, I don't know if you guys know about this band, Explosions in the Sky. But... <laughs> <laughs> I mean... but. But for real, this is kind of the thing that introduced them it, yes, into for sure. the well, mainstream. That's how I became aware of them. Yeah, same here. Did you know that they're actually, they, they're from Midland, Texas. They went to Midland Lee. Oh, whoa, you're <laughs> kidding. That's cool. Wow, they're real traitors. For- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Making propaganda for the other team. I actually, though, I bet that that had to have been like a genuinely like semi-difficult decision for them to make. <laughs> Probably. I bet they had to like really like think about unless they hated all the jocks in their school there was uh there was a former permian panther so they ended up hiring like a lot of former permian panthers to play the other teams assist like coaches and stuff Mm -hmm. because they got so sick of like actors being bad at being coaches that then they actually just like hired a bunch of former permian panthers but one of the one of the midland lee uh, assistant coaches was a Permian Panther and it, they talked about how hard it was for him like alright you're going to be in this movie but here's what you have to wear and it'd be Ooh. like giving us a Gregory Gorilla shirt you know yeah <laughs> can't like, do it I'm not sure about this uh, we'll pay uh, you okay <laughs> <laughs> so the yeah the obvious answer is definitely explosions in the sky and you gotta think that explosions in the sky owes a lot of their success to this movie right i I, I mean i think they they would have been fairly popular on their own but i think this is what really i think they would have found a niche on their own i don't think they would have been exposed um in the way that they are yeah without the movie 
if nothing else, I think uh, getting their music license for both a movie and a TV show uh, kept them from being poor for the rest of their lives. For sure. Yep. I will say, uh, for in, in terms of Explosions in the Sky, Josh, you and I saw Explosions in the Sky in concert in 2017. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the turnout at that show suggests <sighs> that... that uh, Definitely this movie and the TV show helped them out a lot because it was criminally under uh, attended. I could not believe how few people were at that show. I know. It was <laughs> insane. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, my wife's favorite concert of all time. Definitely in my top really five yeah. or three. It was great. It was a very, very, very good show. Yes. For sure. We don't we don't have to pick a winner for this category. We usually don't. So those are just. I like the idea ones. of us all having a different pick. Mm-hmm. F- you guys, I'm sticking with the Stooges. <laughs> <laughs> I will not yield. Uh, I mainly like to bring the noise because that was on the Tony Hawk or yes. Tony Hawk Two soundtrack. So yep. I listened to that song nice. a lot when I was in high school. Yep. All right, uh, outdated pop culture reference of the week slash canceled corner. <laughs> Anything we want to cancel or, yeah, any. It I is mean, it is almost 80s. unfair because the fact is, yeah, it is set in 1987. Bill Cosby impression. Um, that's, Bill Cosby impression. That's, like, that's yeah. both outdated and canceled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a good Bill Cosby impression, though. He it was really well. well. Yeah, I think that's a good answer right there. That's, we'll that's we'll really go great. with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there wasn't a ton of pop culture. Other than that jacket, that which jacket, was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which I wouldn't say it was outdated. I feel like that would, if you wore that jacket now, people would be like, damn, that's a sweet jacket. I think, so. I think, and Josh, you'll probably agree with me on this. Maybe the Erickson's less. The um, scene where Booby Miles is, I think it's the official moment, which I think in time it would have been where Nike overtook yeah. as like the shoe. There's True. that scene where... Um, Booby Miles is like, oh, you're wearing. I don't know if he's wearing Adidas or Reebok. Mm, Adidas, but he's like, yeah. Adidas, yeah. You gotta wear black Nikes. Oh like, man, the shoe. <laughs> uh-huh. So I think that would yeah. have been around that time because yeah, it would have been like three years after the Air Jordan one. So I think by that time, like Nike was basically the shoe for yeah everything. Because so. Adidas was really popular with like early rap stuff. Like yep. that was the brand for early hip hop mm-hmm. stuff, and this would have been well, yeah, because Run DMC had the my Adidas yeah. song and. And Michael Jordan actually really wanted to sign with Adidas before he signed with Nike. Yeah. And then, of course, the rest with that is history, which we could make a whole other podcast about. (laughs) 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 Those black Nike spikes looked exactly like the black Nike spikes that I had in high school football that Booby Mouse was wearing. So apparently I was 15 years late on (laughs) (laughs) my football spike fashion, but. Uh man, quote of the episode. My my favorite my quote of the episode is when Mike is talking to the college recruiters and his mom is very desperate for him to just yeah he'll take whatever yeah. and they ask him if if he has fun playing football and and he's like kind of forgets to respond oh, yeah. for a second and uh-huh. it's like oh yeah yeah I love football yeah it's fun and then the guy is like it's supposed to be fun son that mm-hmm. was my my favorite line of the movie just oh, because just Actually, because I I, I literally paused the movie at that moment. And to look down and just be like, wow, it's 25 minutes in and no one has even mentioned football being fun until now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, wow, that is indicative of what kind of movie or like what kind of scene is being depicted here. Yeah. The culture of the whole thing. Yeah. I just forgot. 
I actually did write that down. And right along those lines, another quote I wrote down was when they're shooting, uh, they're like shooting shotguns out in the middle of nowhere. And Chavez is like, you got to lighten up. You're 17. And, uh, yeah, Don's like, do you feel 17? And Mike says, I don't feel 17. I wrote that down as, yeah, kind of that same encapsulation. That's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I personally liked, I'm just kind of looking through the quotes right now. And one that did stand out to me is the end when they're, kind of realizing they're done and Brian Chavez says I'm going to miss the heat and Billingsley says I'm going to miss the lights uh, yes and Chavez says yeah me too stay low boys keep those feet moving and Billingsley says hey Chavez be perfect Chavez says you be perfect see you Mike it's a nice little exchange there mm-hmm. I personally liked the we could move to Alaska <laughs> that was good <laughs> or oh actually nope I, I, I know my, my favorite one sorry yeah go ahead uh, it's when the guy in the radio is like, there's too much learning going on at this school. <laughs> uh, this is a good one. I'm just, once again, looking through quotes. Booby Miles saying, I get straight A's. I'm an athlete. Reporter says, in what subject? Booby Miles says, hey, there's only one subject. It's football. <laughs> <laughs> Very Smash-esque quote. Yeah, that's good. I I would say, oh, the other one that I wrote down was coach says it's in the middle of the Dallas Carter game, uh, maybe halftime. He's like, what's it like out there? And Rev says, they're big, they're fast, they're dirty, plus they're fast. <laughs> like, yeah, you already said that. So, yeah, not not any major standouts. Uh, mm-hmm. I like the show, but. It's very well I, written. Yes, that's exactly. I do want to make a note real quick because I forgot to mention this and I had made a mental note of it um, until now, but that uh, one connection, maybe the only true, true connection between the TV show and the movie is that the radio guy is slamming Sammy Mead. Yes, I that was like right away, right? <laughs> yeah, same. Starting uh, with, yeah, our, my very first note was, oh, we're starting with slamming Sammy. Yeah, a real character who gets brought into the fictional world who maybe in the intervening years between 1988 and 19 or 2006 uh, moved from Odessa to the fictional town of Dillon. <laughs> <To> Dillon, <laughs> right. <laughs> Wolfman style. <laughs> okay, so uh, after quote of the episode, we got we to gotta decide who's the MVP of the movie. The MVP. Ooh, that that's actually tough because everyone kind of gets equal share. And the, any, any of the main characters really get kind of an equal chance to shine in a lot of ways. And so it really seems pretty relative. It's a almost. real ensemble for mm-hmm. sure. I'd say Mike, I mean, he uh, pretty much gets the most out of it. Like in terms of he, he has... I think he has the most clear character progression of like him reaching a point where he can actually manage to deal with all this pressure and like actually putting it all into football like you're supposed to, supposedly. Yeah. And uh, he pretty much goes from, I mean, in terms of like even the role in the team, he goes from kind of being not as important, you know, mm-hmm. to pretty much being the guy on offense at least. So, I don't know. And then by the end of the episode, seems to be the one who 
like is most satisfied and able to let it go. The yeah. uh, symbolic mm-hmm. smile and tossing the <laughs> tossing the problem of Texas high school football to yeah. the younger generation. I mean, yeah. he seemed he seemed like he's like, all right, I'm good now. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't. It is a very well balanced in that way. Like even how we had a hard time figuring out who the main character could be. You know? Yeah. Right. Connie Britton, unsung hero, but we I was going to say, my, my MVP as always is Connie Britton. <laughs> <laughs> we got to weigh it for like voter fatigue. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I think Mike is probably, we'll go with that. I think that's probably the best, the best call because it's, I think that's pretty safe. It's not booby. It's not coach Gaines. Mm-hmm. I don't even know who else you would even have in that conversation. So. I think yeah. we we'll go with Mike. We it could have been Chavez because he actually had a successful life, but now we just found out that he really screwed that all up. <laughs> it turns out that he couldn't get that. You can, you can take him out of Dylan, but you can't take Dylan out of him, even <laughs> though you took him back into Dylan. And his, we can't judge his actions by by what we know of in the future. We have to judge it by what's in the movie, and that's two separate things, I'd say. Well, and I was just gonna say, in the movie, he doesn't even do that much. Yeah, like he's he's clearly like the kind of forgotten element for a lot of scenes so yeah all right mike i guess <laughs> we'll give it to you <laughs> whatever camera camera guy you know director, <laughs> yeah, yeah, director yeah. of photography the, yeah. director of photography yeah. slash explosions the in the sky mvp of the movie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh not peter berg even though you, you did a good job with this movie. We are yeah. not going to... Dudes, Peter, doodliness, Peter, uh, the concept <laughs> of machismo, they're all MVPs. I, the concept of dudes, I think everybody gets a fair <laughs> shake in that one. So much guys in this movie. So much so guys. So much guys, <laughs> truly. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, let's wrap it up here. Our, our rating, uh, it would be our episode rating, but... Uh, this will be our our rating for the movie. So we usually do this out of ten. So yeah, usually we're you know rating the episodes against themselves against the other episodes, but rating this movie against all other movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, as uh, I'll I'll start it off here. I will say that on one hand, um, it's not a it's not a terribly exciting movie. Uh, it is engaging, definitely, but it's not like revelatory in any specific way. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it sets out to execute a very specific idea of what a town and yep. what a, what football is, and I think it succeeds. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, like it succeeded, at, but I didn't. I wasn't like wildly engaged this time around. I don't know if it has the same uh, timelessness as I thought it maybe would have had back in two thousand four when I watched it. Um, but I'd give it maybe like a solid six. Yeah. Like, and, and, um, just cause it's, it's a little better than, than average. And, uh, I was glad to watch it again. Yep. Yeah. I, I pretty much mostly agree. I would maybe go, I'm going to give it an extra point for being one of those types of movies where I think the things that, uh, the things about it that are good have been since incorporated into other sports movies so well that we mm. kind of just didn't notice that it was probably a big deal at the time. You yeah. Know? So I feel like even just the way it shot all of the action and the sports in the town, it for like what you said, like for what it is as 
just trying to be a clear-eyed depiction of a town that kind of sucks to live in. The visual way that it did it was very good. Um, and the way that they showed the football, you know, I feel like it's probably something that uh, I, I would imagine if I would watch a football movie that was made before this or a football movie after this, you maybe could tell, you know, of like how they depict the action. So sure. Yeah. So what's your rating? Seven. <laughs> okay. I give it one more than you. That's yeah, right. For that okay. reason. I was going to say when, when this movie first came out, when I first saw it in the Platt theater, um, it was my favorite sports movie of all time. Um, I don't know if it still is for the same reasons that Tyler mentions. I think maybe, there's some movies that have taken its conventions and, and done better with what it did. I can't think of a movie off the top of my head that I like more, but I'm sure that there are sports movies that I do like more now, uh, excluding D2, The Mighty Ducks, which is, of course, a masterpiece. <laughs> a perfect movie yeah. by which all other movies are judged. Yeah, But um, I'm going to go in the same realm as Tyler in that I was thinking I would give it a low, like a 7.2, somewhere in that, you know, a low 7. I didn't um, know we were going with tenths. Well, I guess... <laughs> this changes everything. Well, I was, I was originally going to go with a 7.5, so I was going to say 7.5. Um, but Jordan's yeah. argument and your argument brought a little bit of sensibility to me, so I'm going to go I'll, I'll, not a 7 even, but a low 7 for sure. The official ranking scale of reliving the lights is not intense, but it is either strong or weak. So a strong uh, seven or a weak seven. There we go. Uh, so what kind of, sounds like a weak seven to me. I personally accidentally stole or not accidentally, but unintentionally stole the Anthony Fantano scale of rating things where I'd say like mm. strong six to a weak seven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah. Just comes with being an fault, Anthony. But, yeah, I guess. So, yeah, we'll say a week seven. All Anthony's do this. <laughs> <laughs> we can't help it. <laughs> For me, I think uh, most sports movies, especially ones that are based on a true story, I think try to tell this the story of, of what happened and tell the story of the season and tell the story of the team, which this movie definitely did. But I feel like more so than that, like I feel like this movie was trying to convey like not necessarily the events, but like the feeling of the town, the feeling of what it was like to be one of those, one of those yeah. guys. And so for that reason, I think even though it wasn't like the most exciting sports movie ever or whatever, like you said, Jordan, like not terribly entertaining, but definitely compelling mm -hmm. uh, that I think in it's, in it's, it almost feels like a, like a semi-documentary. You know, like a lot of sports movies are based on true stories. But I feel like this one, they tried to shoot a, almost like with mm -hmm. somewhat of a docu documentary style. Um, so I think it was probably really successful. And I think, well, I guess they're cousins. So Buzz is probably biased. But like, you know, they Bissinger has said like this movie really captures what it was like to be on that team in that town in 1988. So I think it's, you know, um, was really successful at it, at what it set out to do. I love this movie. We've been inching a little bit higher. If you would give it a 7.2, Anthony, I was going to give it a 7.5. Like this is definitely 
you know, probably in my top third of movies. Like I, I yeah. really like. Oh, for movie. sure. So, I get what you're saying too about like a lot of sports movies do not even do not attempt to get like the scope of the society that the right. sport is contained in. That's pretty ambitious, <laughs> right? So I think yeah, you got to yeah. give them props for that. I yeah. think I, I can't disagree there. I think that makes sense. I think it's a movie with a lot to say and more than it even intended to say. Maybe. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's actually one of uh, our favorite so much movies things is when a filmmaker uh, says something extremely unintentionally that they didn't even want to say, but the movie says it for them. Hmm. And I do think that this does that a little bit. Um, I don't think Peter Berg is entirely aware of all the things that he is, uh, of just even how deep some of these problems go and how well he showed them. And so I'm willing to bump my, uh, I think we, a solid seven average. I I don't mind that at all. Like, I think that's, that's pretty good. Like it's not, you know, it's not Citizen Kane, but it doesn't have to be. (laughs) It can be, just be a good, sports yeah. movie and i think yeah. is it, it is and if you're rating it against other sports movies i think is a, it is an exceptionally good sport. top yeah. tier for sure mm-hmm. yeah for sure all right so i like it's not necessarily a strong seven or a weak seven we're going with solid seven it is a solid seven movie i think that's a very fair rating yep well that's it that's that's all the awards i feel like we just went all over the place and yeah <laughs> got into some some good stuff but that's the so uh, much movies experience yeah absolutely (laughs) no focus well while while we've got you uh tyler and jordan where can we find you both collectively and individually uh you can find uh my twitter handle is jordan erickson and uh, i believe tyler's is so much tweets is that right ty yep and uh you can find our twitter at so much movies uh, we have an Instagram, but we don't update it. Uh, you can uh, you can find the podcast itself at uh, soundcloud.com slash so much movies podcast. And uh, you can find us on anywhere that podcasts are Stitcher, uh, Spotify. You guys know about uh, podcasts. That, You're listening to one. The Apple, <laughs> you know, the, the Apple podcasts, I've heard you, you know, what's going on. We we're in all those places and we like to talk about, uh, how there are too many movies in the world and we have to watch all of them. Slowly <laughs> but truly, so yeah, truly, truly, truly one of, one of my favorite shows. It's literally at the top of my podcast queue, uh, Same. on my app. I I'm a stitcher guy myself, but so much movies is, is up top. Now that you're actually on stitcher, you're welcome <laughs> for that. That's right. Thank, um, thank you for thanks, helping us with that, by yeah, the way, yeah, you bet. Um, and, and we, uh, you know, eternally want to release more episodes. And I do think that we are getting into a rhythm of recording where we can actually get back into the swing of things. We are, we've been pretty spotty lately and, and, uh, no, no blame for anyone in the pandemic, but it, it's time for us to get back on the horse and just uh, start talking about everything again. So it'll happen. Be prepared for a onslaught of movie opinions. Yeah, you're gonna have to keep moving if you want to watch all yeah. the movies. So that's right. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna start using the official Reliving the Lights Twitter to start sending where is the art tweets at at someone's <laughs> movie. <laughs> and and for for those who are fans of this, we've had Anthony on a couple times. 
Oh yeah, yes. One I've of my favorite so much movies episodes. We, was the we've Sun been wanting to have Josh on Sun pretty much Vegas. since day one, but we might have to. Uh, now that we, we now that it. this has been recorded successfully, we have a way to do yeah. it. I think. Yeah. Well, good. It has been an excellent time. Thank you guys for coming on. Uh, Thanks for well, having us. I'm guessing we'll have you on at some other some other point down yes. the road. Uh, maybe just to episode. get Tyler as you listen to season two and you've never actually watched it. Maybe we'll <laughs> get some <laughs> Tyler. Just pick an episode. Pick an episode in season three. Yep. Watch it out of context. Yep. Perfect. And <laughs> come on the pod. Good. I would. Uh, I definitely would like to see Peter Berg directed season four, episode one, and I think that there would be an go. interesting one to 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 jump back in on yeah. and see uh, what changed between season one, episode one, and season four, episode Ooh, one, like or if anything had. I like that, then we can we can crap on Peter Berg for another hour and a half. It'll be awesome, <laughs> buddy. I am there. Sounds good to me. All right, fellas. Uh, thank you so much. And to all of you out there listening, thank you guys for sticking with us uh, on these couple of special episodes between season one and season two. Uh, be looking for season two coming up real soon. Uh, shout out to the West Indies. We love you guys. I think that's all we got for tonight. Thanks for having us on, guys. Thank you. This thanks was for, a lot of fun. Thanks, thanks for joining. Let's touch God this time, boys. Let's touch God.